This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. My name is Skylar Hist. I will answer to no other name. Actually, my name is Paul. Hi, I'm Cora. It used to be known as Pop, uh, Popeye when I was about three, but uh, I actually answered to Cora. Popeye? <laughs> Did you like spinach? Yeah. Um, I do like spinach. I didn't even, <laughs> I, I just love the Popeye cartoons. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I also was Robbie for a while. Robbie from a, from a children's, uh, a robot from a children's show. <laughs> Robbie the robot? <laughs> Yeah, not that Rob, Robbie the Robot. Oh, okay. It was a different, a different robot. It was from a German children's show called Robbie, Tobby und das Flievertüt about uh, the adventures of a boy and a robot who traveled around the, around the world in a, in a sort of weird uh, helicopter car, what a car transforming thing. Hmm. I do not know about this one. So, uh, Paul. I don't think it was ever shown outside Germany. Yeah, I have a feeling not. Paul, was your, uh, your thingy from. This book, I, I was I was I was allu- I was alluding to a passage from this book, which uh-huh. is which you tell the listeners, um, the Star, the Star King? King by Jack okay. Vance. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I, 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 I was kind of riffing off of an early part of this book where, where we where we have um, our our character our secondary character give a different name to like it's like that that's the name we're going to give you that's the only name you're going to get. So I was kind of ripping off of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is not your first time reading it, right? This is like the fifth or sixth time. Wow! Wow! In my, in my in my life. So what about you, so, Cora? Yeah. Um, I have the I've had a better, better paperback of the edition of this book. I bought it at university. There was always a used book sale sale, and I've had it for a long time. But um, for some reason, I never got around to reading it, so this hmm. was a perfect excuse. I've read um, other ones before, mostly the Dying Earth and the uh, of the Clever Stories. There's uh, something weird that happened uh, with regard to this book. At one point, the the was dropped. Um, I don't know why. And the Wikipedia entry uh, has it as Star King. Uh, it says also published as The Star King. That's how it was first published in the magazine. Um, but it was also well, published well, as the Star King. Well, there's a couple. There's a couple. There's a couple of Jack Vance titles that got kind of changed over time. Um, most most infamous, in, um, infamously, one of the um, Chai novels. The original title is the Wank W A N K H. Okay. Um, and well, <laughs> Jack. Jack Vance and the publishers didn't quite realize at the time that that that's a naughty word in British English. Huh. So it got changed to the Wanak in later editions. Okay, yeah. and then, but, so the whole the whole but, species name got changed because. But dropping like, the definite <laughs> article here, what what's the point of that? Um, Probably, may, perhaps to the to differentiate it from the Edmund Hamilton book, The Star Kings, which has a fairly similar title. <clears throat> well, I, I thought it maybe had to do with like that it became a series? I don't know. But I haven't read well, past this book. But the so. series is called The Demon Princess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, my copy um, is co- it's just called Star King. It's Nose. Yeah, no mine article. too. Yeah. Article, so, so. and my copy is a, is a British paperback back, um, printed in 1973. Yeah. Okay, so so, it, so, so 
1973. Now I have to look at my uh, schedule when these books were published. Um, well, so the, the, first, the first one was 1964. Yeah, and the second one was like 1964 as well. Pals of Love was 67. So the series was already going by 73. So they knew it was a series by that point. Yeah, I, I think it might have something to do with that. I don't understand why the dropping. Sometimes that happens like uh, it's not the strange case of Dr. Be- Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. It's strange case. And so people mm-hmm. want to add the the in, but usually you don't add. I don't understand why. Usually you remove, yeah, move an article. Yeah, like that, when but. people are speaking, they often will drop uh, a the. You leave it out, omit it. So, um, so I've heard about this book from you. I think Paul, you've talked about it many times, or this. I, 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 I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure I've talked about Jack Vance a lot, including. This. <laughs> but this book's particular in the series, um, right? Uh, this have you read the whole series? I've read the entire series through. It's like six books um, or something. No, it was only five. Oh, um, five. Okay. Two or three times. So wow. So I've read this one the most because I, because because now um, thanks to the uh, thanks to the vocal talents of Stephen Rudicky. Hello, Stephen Rudicky, if you're listening, we love your work. Um, he actually follows me on Twitter now. Um, so this is a perfect excuse to read it again. So. But the but they're only slowly coming out with the entire series in audio. Though I think they're up to Palace of Love at this point, which is book three. Let me so uh, let me uh, get us off on a more attacky uh, angle because I okay. I have uh, the 1964 review in Amazing Stories from uh, Robert Silverberg. Um, so here is the review. It's from uh, the September issue. Uh, here, on the other hand, is Vance's most recent work. I report with some surprise that it's quite thoroughly bad novel. As dreary as the foregoing two are delightful, all Vance's trademarks are there. The vivid descriptions, the alien worlds, but the ingredients fail to gel and result in embarrassing, embarrassing to this particular Vance enthusiast. The novel, which was a serial last year in Galaxy and which is reprinted here with minor changes, is really a blown-up novelette, padded out woefully with copious quotations from magazine articles of the future, latter-day encyclopedias, imaginary books, and so forth. A good many thousand words are thus grafted onto the story, and many of the quote-unquote excerpts put Vance's background information across so leadenly that reading them becomes an effort. Between the padding lies the thin, rickety story. Kurth Gerson, which is a great name, was one of the... That's my editorial there. Kurth Gerson was one of the few survivors of a raid by heartless alien creatures called Star Kings. His grandfather raises him to be an instrument... Ah! Are you okay? Yes, because Silverberg is wrong. Oh. <laughs> he is. He, he's he's very, very wrong. wrong. Like, alien creatures called... A raid by alien creatures called Star Kings. No, no, Mr. Silverberg, you didn't understand the book. That's not how it happened. Okay. I'm sorry, but please continue because I'm, I'm apparently going to get angry at Mr. Silverberg today. Oh, okay. I'm going to just read that well, paragraph. Well, he start. is still alive. <laughs> so yeah. he yes, and I've met him. So it's like, yes, like, I've met him too. I've been on a panel with him, actually. <laughs> oh, wow. That I have not managed. Between the padding <laughs> lies the thin, rickety story. Kurth Gerson was one of the f- few survivors... Just had a pop up there. Uh, few survivors 
of a raid by heartless alien creatures called Star Kings. His grandfather raises him to be an instrument of vengeance. He tracks down one of the Star Kings through a series of maneuvers too implausible for words and hands him over to another victim for punishment. This in itself might be the basis for a novel, but not as Vance has developed it here. Only his hero's incredible density keeps the plot from collapsing in the first chapter when he is face-to-face with his enemy and fails to realize it. His later behavior is beyond all belief as he stumbles over clue after clue while taking little or no action. The sad thing is that Vance went went to the trouble of inventing a magnificent alien world, which we glimpse tantalizing for five pages at the beginning of the book and a few paragraphs at the end. He could have spun a fascinating story around that world, but chose instead to tell a limp, stuttering revenge story that slogs on and on. Every chapter has its flash of Vance-like brilliance, but overall, the overall effect is is a depressing one. The Star King will not enhance Jack Vance's reputation, though I suppose he's entitled to slip every now and again. So, uh... Yeah. Uh, what What's wrong with the, what, his summary of the plot? Lots of things. Um, first of all, the Star King, he says the Star Kings attack the planet. No, it's the Demon Princes. The Star King is one of the Demon Princes, but the other four are distinctly human. I mean, the revelation that one of the Demon Princes is actually a Star King is a major revelation in the novel. Like, oh, one of the Demon Princes is actually not human at all. He's one of these weird aliens and we get that whole interesting substrate of how the star kings are and all the all the speculation of that plus the star king was not turned over to somebody else for punishment that was no. that that was this that was the star king what the star king's um sub minion was turned over the star king himself gets stabbed by one of the dryads while he's hiding in the muck so mr silverberg has his facts very wrong in that regard yeah i i, I mean i I can see th- yeah, those are slightly off. The back cover blurb of my edition actually spoils the whole thing. Like, oh, he was murdered by a Stark. Um, the father of Cur- of Curse Gerson was murdered by a Starking. It's actually spoiled on the back back cover blurb of my edition. Well, that, that's like <laughs> revealed very early, right? So, uh, well. It is, but it's not that early. It's not that early. At first, it seems as if there was a human criminals who killed her and enslaved the family. I'll, I'll read the back of my yeah. copy from 1978. Star Kings were a race of aliens who disguised themselves as human. They sought only power, power over the real men and women they looked upon with both contempt and lust. Keith Gerson That's fine. had been a peace-abiding man until the terrible moment when five of the Star Kings descended upon the planet. <laughs> They're not five Star Kings. They're not five Star Kings. They're four humans and a Star King are the five demon princes. The uh, book the, the book has all the detail there, and then Mr. Silberg thinks it's tedium about who who the demon princes are, how they met, and yeah. Oh god. Let me just finish the I, I am what uh, yes, when five I'm of sorry. these Star Kings descended upon the planet and the home of his parents and viciously wiped them out as and quote object lesson. At that news, okay. vengeance became um, became Gerson's yeah. sole. Okay, yeah, uh, vengeance became Gerson's sole objective in existence to seek out and destroy those five demon princes. First on his list was Ath- Atel Malagate. His name was probably a fake. His appearance was unknown, but his style was vicious and his appetite was for human slavery. 
With only this to go on, Gerson was ready to track him down across a thousand stars. And then there's a quote by Paul Anderson. Jack Vance is one of the finest writers that science fiction field has ever known, um, which I think probably Silverberg would agree with as well. Yeah, for, for all the, it, these it's not about this stuff. particular book, right? It's it's about just Jack Vance yeah. being terrific. Um, so I kind of agree with Silverberg. Um, I'm like, why does Paul love this book so much? I don't get it because there's there's almost no SF content. It's mostly dating and mystery solving. And it, it, I, I had no problem it, with the with the dating. I thought that was fine. It's just like. It, it's not exciting. It's not intriguing. There's, I like the mystery element, but it was, it did feel padded out. Like, uh, I, I was going back and forth with somebody on DMs about, uh, the moon moth and like, yeah, moon moth's awesome, right? It is mystery. Um, but what makes the moon moth so awesome is not the mystery. It's the culture of the planet and, uh, the plot to solve the mystery is just an excuse to figure out a weird culture. And we, I think that, I, I think that plant's called Cyrene, and I believe it's mentioned in this book. It's, a, it is actually mentioned in this book, and this was written before the moon moth, so he That's took cool. the idea, he, he took the idea because he mentions it in the book about moon moth and masks up, he took the idea like, I could write a story out of that, and one he, he subsequently did. I don't know, I, I, of all the things I've read by Jack Vance, that's the best thing. I haven't read millions so though. But so, I don't, I don't, I, I really don't get the, like, what sparked you like about this. this. Yeah. What, what, what did you um, think, Cora? Is this yeah, an amazing well, book? Well, um, I, um, I like it. I liked it. I enjoyed it a lot. It has, um, well, it does have a lot of Vance's, um, typical poetic style. Oh, yeah. I also liked, enjoyed those excerpts from all sorts of documents, which, um, Silverberg obviously did not enjoy. Also, Vance did not invent that technique. No. Technique. Asimov had been adding, uh, had been adding quotations from the Encyclopedia Galactica mm-hmm. to, um, foundation stories for more than 20 years at that point. <laughs> point. Yeah, so, a- yeah, it's not exactly new. And no. we suspect that, um, that Silverberg would have read, <laughs> read those, those, um, those, um, uh, it's, um, uh, it's of course um, there, um, there are quite a few science fiction mysteries, and the melding of mystery and science fiction doesn't always always work out. But uh, it works um, it works for me here. There's a there's a mystery, and um, of course there's also the rom- romantic subplot plot, and um, there's there are fantastic worlds. It's not hard science fiction, but then you don't go to Jack Vance if you want to read hard science fiction. Yeah, but but it's also not. The like, I I think Silverberg's really right about that initial planet that we see with the dryads and the life cycle. Yeah, Yeah. and where we see it at the end as well. I mean, that's where I thought I was like, oh, this is interesting. I wonder what this all means. And it's like the answer is mm, it's a setting for the beginning and the ending of the book. It's not. It's not the focus of the book yeah, so like the names are the amazing right it would uh, play more of a role as well but um but it only shows up well um, i mean it does play a role since it uh, since the dryads kill Ethel malagate yeah it's... Gate in the end so they they it's the dryads actually who actually 
exert the vengeance that um, Curse Gerson is. I mean, Curse Gerson is going to kill him, but uh, but it's a drive. But uh, he does. But in the end, he's not the one who does it. Like those names are really good. Kurth Gerson, that's fun. Lugo Tihalt. These are very fancy names. I'm like, oh, that's yes. fun. I like that. Uh, Sivij Sithurio, right? Like they're, yeah, they're uh, far ahead. But there's all sorts of stuff in it that I'm like, okay, that's a way to go. Uh, but then it doesn't like pay what? off. So for example, um, at one point we're told that, uh, after the year 2000, the calendar is re, redone restarted mm-hmm. at zero and one of the years that's brought up is 1492 i'm like you don't pick that at random right you don't not not if you're an american audience <laughs> writing for an american audience so it, they, uh, we get the idea i got the idea that this is like uh, european sponsoring uh C- christopher columbus to go uh find a new passage to india right and that's cool, but it doesn't actually pay off in any way, right? Like, the, yeah, there's slavers out there. Um, and I thought that was kind of cool. Like, she says, oh, you're a pirate, you're a slaver. Um, and he, he's, like, making jokes about it. And, yeah, there's slavery involved there. But And there's an individual who is turned into a torture slave, right? Okay. But it doesn't it, – it isn't like an analogy – it's just sort of um, there. It doesn't go anywhere. And I, yeah, I was but like, sometimes why? Sometimes building details are just there. They are not everything. Uh, not everything needs to needs to have a purpose or be an analogy. I mean, um, I mean, nowadays it's everything. Whenever you mention slavery, it has to be an analogy, usually for the kind of um, the kind of uh, transatlantic, Atlantic, um, Atlantic, Caribbean, and American slavery. Which is, of course, only one form of slavery. Absolutely. But, uh, but it doesn't necessarily always have to be be like that. Yeah, no, well, I, I agree, but it doesn't go anywhere. We agree on that, and that's kind of like it, it, it's a not, lot it's of the not, things you, in this. It's not used more than a setting detail. Yeah. Let's put it that. Way. So he, it, it's, it's almost like he was writing it by the seat of his pants, and sometimes you know. You may well have been writing I, it by the seat of his pants. I, I mean, that, I mean, that I mean, it was, was serialized style. originally in Galaxy. I mean, yeah, yeah only, no, only uh, over two the, issues, though. So it's not like it had, you know, a massive, uh, you know, some, you know, some novels are spread over a year, um, or even more. This is well, just two it's issues. Fairly thin. It's not it's, Dune. <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, but, uh, like, like I thought, oh, this is interesting, but it it does feel padded, and and more importantly, it's like, where's the where's the science fiction element? Usually, when I think of Vance, I think of uh, social science fiction, and we have a little bit of that, but it is it's like such a step down from the Moon Moth, and it's not like the Moon Moth is ten times longer or shorter, right? They're Almost comparable length? Not really. Maybe this is seven hours. I think Moon Moth's like an hour, right? But oh my god, I, I was like, oh, this is going to get good at some point. I'm going to be super intrigued, and I liked the characters. That was fine. It's just like the the revenge plot. So it 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 feels like um this all five guys could have been hunted down in this one book instead of 
uh, how long it takes them to get, you know, there, there's a lot of maneuvering and like, it's, it's kind of lazy in the sense that it's not, not the authors being lazy, but rather like the hunters being lazy. He's sort of like, uh, well, well, you're, you're spending a lot of time clever. with, if he's a private detective hunt, you know, tracking down, he's like dating and, and there's like a lot of uh, sitting in the office trying to convince people. And, and well, he, somehow you could have done that in like a paragraph and got a lot of the content. And it doesn't, it just does, it doesn't feel like science fiction in the way that I kind of am looking for, which is so weird. I was very surprised that it was so not science fiction y. That's more mystery focused than I guess. Science I mean, it is set in, it's set in space, right? They go to different planets. There's, there's like a little bit of tech here and there. I mean, I mean, I mean, there's the, the whole tech with with how the starboats and um, how colonization and exploration works. I mean, a lot of the science fiction is not hard, as Cora said. It's kind of soft, like the whole, like the whole sides about how the Rigel Concourse planets got named and then got renamed by a yeah, random cute. clerk who decides, like, I hate these names. I'm gonna put these names in instead, and yeah, so discover uh, uses that. It was, but that's like um, a science fiction setting rather than uh, a science fiction plot. Yeah, um, yeah, I but just, I don't think. Uh, I mean, this is what um, I mean. Uh, there's uh, always a claim like it's only science if you can take out the science fiction element and still have a viable have a viable story. And uh, this would work as a viable. This would also be a viable story if it was set like in the American West or something, or or in. Yeah. Um, in a modern world, it would still be a viable story. There's a guy who's hunting down the murders of the murderers of his family. Yeah. There are five, there are five guys. He's found. He thinks he's found one. You could do it without the science fiction, but yeah. I've never thought that doesn't mean that if the science fiction is merely the setting, setting the science fictional world, that doesn't mean it's not science fiction. It's just um, science fiction with something else. I mean. Um, I mean, yeah. This is a, a this is a mystery and revenge plot. Uh, Plot uh, in a science fiction setting. If, Nothing if, wrong with if that. If he'd leaned into the psychology of the Star Kings, like, like, you know, they're they're genderless, right? Um, yeah. You know, yeah. they, they, their motivations are different than yours and mine. Um, and he he wants to he wants to figure out. I mean, I guess it, in the end he does figure out, <laughs> right? Who's who? Um, okay, but. It takes them so long, and it's it's mostly because they're sort of officious, right? They're like, I don't want to show my cards to you, <laughs> rather than like um, uh, like if it was told from uh, alternating point of views, we could see the alienness of the alien, right? This isn't a Campbellian alien showing an alien that thinks like a man, but uh, uh, that thinks as well as a man, but not like a man, right? It's it's well, I, sort I, I, of specific and specifically, I mean, because I mean, they go through the whole hypothesis, and we're not proving one or the other of what the Starkings are, and the Starkings basically having evolved themselves to be better than men in some respects, but to look like men, which so that's why they don't think quite so alien. But but even even then, though, um, I mean, part of the fact that what that the Starkings is an alien is part of how Kurt. Sustains them out between the three uh, officials. Yeah, of, eventually, of the right? It takes so long. It it it, it takes. I mean, but I mean, when you're going to accuse somebody of being a inter 
interstellar murderer of high degree, you gotta gotta make sure you get your facts right before you uh, pull yeah, the trigger. No, no, I I I, th- I thought the so plot of him terrible. being a an inter interstellar um, assassin, but for justice, right? Um, I thought that was really interesting. It it was it's kind of like that. There's that girl in the game of thrones series who gets trained to you know be a faceless assassin or change her face or whatever um and doing it for justice and it's like oh that's interesting revenge a revenge but also just killing evil people oh that's interesting it could go somewhere um but it's just one guy basically right i guess the rest of the series is more of that but um, the relationship yeah, just- with the grandfather well- he has uh, f- he has five. He has only uh, found one demon prince, and there's five of them. Right, so right. Found, <laughs> I, I, I mean, part of this book, if you remember at the beginning, is him not even knowing who the five are, and his grandfather saying, "Figure out who the demon princes are, and then mm. get them." And so he has to unravel that first before he, he doesn't know who Athel that Athel Malvigate is a is a demon prince, much less a Star King. At the beginning, mm-hmm. he has to basically figure that out. And basically, when we started, I mean, yet. I mean, I mean, Silberg was uh, was complaining. Oh yeah, he's he, he runs into his enemy right right up, right at the beginning at Smade's Tavern, but he doesn't know his enemy at the point because if you follow the plot of follow the timeline, when he's at Smade's Tavern, he's just figured out. Okay, these are the five demon princes, so he doesn't yeah. know enough to do anything about this Starking here. He doesn't know enough to. To shoot him in the back. Why don't you just shoot him? He, he doesn't, doesn't know, know that uh, he doesn't even know that he's hunting for that he's looking mm. for Starking. Mm-hmm. All he has is five names on a piece of well, I don't know if it's actually a piece of paper, but he has five names mm-hmm. names with this um, yeah. subordinate who he killed of this uh, this uh, who is a subordinate whom he killed gave him the five names of the five demon princes. He doesn't mm-hmm. know that one of them is a Starking. I mean, I was getting suspicious simply because of the spoiler on the back cover that. Ah. Uh, that, oh, the Star King killed it, and I think, like, okay, um, yeah, there's probably more than one of them, but there's a Star King in the tavern, and this guy is hunting the killer of his family, and if, that's a, is it, if it's a Star King, he's not even interested in this guy, but of course he doesn't know at this point yet that it is a Star King. All he has is, uh, he has our five names. Mm. Right. I, I, and I, and I, I will spoil a bit for the rest of the series. Um, the rest of the I mean, he gets. I mean, it is kind of Jack Vance's style in the series that, because it's a giant, wide universe. So how do you find people? So it kind of it is kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Um, by co- coincidence or chance that he winds up on a lead. That's what happens here, and that's what happens in the subsequent novels. He winds up on the lead of one of the demon princes, and then just follows that down. And yes, it takes time, but it's a it's a mystery investigation plot each time, although it's different on how he does it in each book and because each of the because in in some ways this is the weakest of the books i think because he's still trying to figure out everything and how this all works i mean i don't even know he was starting to write this as a series but i mean by i mean by the by um by the by this by the second and third books he knows what he's doing and got it more down to a format he's still trying to figure out what am I doing in this universe? What is this universe really like? What are these demon princes like? How am I arranging these plots? So he's kind of feeling his way through this. And so in some ways, this is the weakest of the demon princes books. I will, mm. I will um, sadly admit, but I wasn't going to have you start 
because <laughs> I know you hate series with the Killing Machine or the Palace of Love. Yeah, I just think they're diminishing returns, and so if it's starting it, it, at such a such a diminishment, I can't imagine. But see, it, it, I think it, 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 it's he, a page turner. He, he, he gets better as the series goes on, not worse. But in what sense do you mean better? Right. Um, it's a, it's 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 a little less coincidence, a little more. A little uh, okay, so I'll. I mean, there's not more science fiction per se because again, they're mystery and investigative plots. But he, but there's less fumbling around with the beginning of well, what what is he doing? He knows he's going after ah. demon. Yeah, it was a so little he bit. Get, he, he gets he gets that a at lot the beginning. a lot more um, efficiently in the Killing Machine and the Palace of Love. I want to I want to uh, talk about this. I know we talk and about so- it a lot, but. Um, you know, the idea you can spoil things by reading the back of a book or whatever. Um, I am editing up um, Robinson Crusoe. I mm-hmm. just want to read you the chapter titles, okay? Start in life. Slavery and escape. Wrecked on a desert island. First weeks on the island. Builds a house. The journal. Ill and conscience stricken. Agricultural experience. Surveys his position. A boat. Tames goat, finds print of man's foot on sand, a cave retreat, wreck of a Spanish ship, a dream realized, Friday's education, rescue of prisoners from cannibals, visit of mutineers, the ship recovered, return to England, fight between Friday and a bear. What? Fight between Friday and a bear? I don't remember that. And again, Spoiler. I haven't this show for a long time. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> yes, it's been but a long time. I don't remember any. Is fights. there anything in there that was surprising up to the Friday fights a bear? <laughs> well, that was surprising for one thing. We know, we know all of these things, you know, and it reminds me also of uh, chapters in uh, uh, the Hobbit. Right? It tells you what the chapter is about. <laughs> it says That's, what's going to uh, happen it's an in the chapter. Of literature. I mean, yeah, uh, Robinson yeah. Crusoe is from the late 17th century, so it's yeah, um, it's old. More than 300 years old at this point, and slightly um, popular though. Read a lot, <laughs> it's, um, this, is a, this is a quite common style in in older fiction that the chapters actually describe what is uh, what is yeah. happening. It's so you can you well can skip right to the chapter you haven't read yet, time. right? You say, oh yeah, this is good. I, I want to find out what's going to happen in this next chapter. Friday fights a bear. They said so. Yeah, <laughs> seven. It's from seventeen nineteen. So it's it's a uh, from a few years ago. But um, yeah. uh, I think like not having chapter titles um is a mistake. We should have more chapter titles because like it, titles, yeah, it tells uh, us what the book's going to be about. We're looking through it. And we say, ooh, that mm-hmm. sounds interesting. When yeah. I was a kid, I always read the chapter titles first and then thought, like, okay, this sounds like something really interesting. Or yes. not, of, of, because children's books, of course, have chapter titles, or at least they used to have at the time. At the time, I'm not sure if the modern ones still do because I am <laughs> no longer the target audience. Well, I think, uh, I think some do, but the default is not. But, um, mm-hmm. like, I'm, I, I remember most of the chapter titles from The Hobbit, you know, Roast Mutton, Riddles in the Dark. Uh, unexpected party everybody knows that one right out of the frying pan into the fire so like uh sometimes or queer lodgings right sometimes uh it helps your memory of the book uh in a certain sense but it certainly doesn't make you not want to read the book because you already know what's going to happen so 
when you're dealing with a mystery, yes, there is this um, theory that not knowing who the killer is is useful because you're playing against the detective. It's like a game. But if it's a fair play mystery, yeah, absolutely. Agatha Christie, right? Mysteries. Yeah, Agatha Christie is the classic one. Yeah, Agatha Christie is a classic. And about knowing who did it, I mean, there's also the, uh, the how is the detective going to catch the villain, which is basically the Columbo formula. Right, formula. right. Although right. Columbo's not, you know, he's not a a book. Um, he, no, he certainly comes TV from series, a book, book-like a, tradition. But that's usually the example that everybody knows. Yes, knows it's a good example. Inverted mystery. Uh, and I, I'm a big fan of that. Um, so there, there are exceptions, right? But this mm-hmm. is playing in the, in that, it's not quite a mystery. It's more like, uh, how does, how's he gonna figure this out? Right? It's not like, uh, which of these, he actually sets it up to be, which of these three guys is the alien? And we spend uh, quite a bit of time with that. I, I would say about a fifth of the book, maybe a little more quarter of the book. Um, but just the investigation, uh, the girl romance, which, you know, I was fine with, and then, oh, she's kidnapped? Oh, okay, now, now we got a MacGuffin to go after as well, right? Um, it's, it's a book for sure. But the things I liked most about it were Vance's names and, you know, the mention of Cyrene. <laughs> I was like, why is this such an attra- So I think it is, it has to do with it being a series. Like it, it just, it's a science fiction setting rather than, uh, an exploration. So when Corey, you're calling it, uh, soft science fiction, it's, it's barely even that. Because when I think of soft science fiction, I think of psychology, sociology, um, you know, uh, maybe statistics. we can call it wallpaper science fiction. <laughs> oh, there a, you go. A, wallpaper yeah, the science fiction is a wallpaper for yes. the mystery plot. Yes. Well, yeah, so it's like, not what? really a I mean, okay, what were the mysteries like in the, at the time this book was written? You had the hardball school and you had the, the traditional mysteries, mm-hmm. mystery school and uh, yeah. other styles were not yet. The police procedural, I think, was only just getting started up, but it wasn't Ed really McBain was yet. doing some stuff with that for sure. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, I, it, it, yeah. it is like that, but it also isn't all mist, like it isn't focused on, uh, mystery. Right, it has um, that, but we're sort of riding along with this guy who whose motivations are there, but we've got all this background that fills in the details. Uh, I think it's it's uh, so here's um here's Silverberg's review of a book called Son of the Tree. This is from the same volume, uh, same issue. Jack Vance has been writing science fiction almost 20 years now, and there are a few writers I find is consistently entertaining. His vir- virtues are considerable. His style is a bright and vigorous one, glowing with color and keen observation. His insight into character is shrewd and knowing. His stories generally move at a brisk and agreeable pace. Above all, he is ceaselessly inventive in the depiction of alien worlds, societies, environments. I very much suspect that if I were handed one of his stories without a byline, I'd identify it as a Vance before I had read four paragraphs. So individual is his manner. Depending as he does on descriptive texture, Vance is at his best in the longer lengths and has not written many short stories in recent years. 
About a decade ago, he was fortunate in having a market that could accommodate a few long novelettes, which, as he was fond of writing stories in the 30 to 40,000 word range, that could be published complete in one issue. These were the standard publication magazines, Startling Stories and Thrilling Wonder Stories, uh, standard publications of the publisher, uh, which in those days of lower publishing costs customarily ran a long novel, uh, two or three novelettes, half a dozen short stories, and a gaggle of reader department, uh, and a gaggle of reader departments, and sold for the package for 25 cents, exclamation mark. Vance flourished in that magazine's spacious environment, and now Ace has revived two of his many novelettes he wrote in the most fertile, his most fertile period. The House of Ism, the Houses of Ism, you know this one, Paul? Yeah, that's yeah, it's it's it's, a, it, it, it's like this one. It's another one with trees as the center of society. Ah, interesting. Uh, was in he Star- does it in a couple. He does it in a couple of books. Was so in Star- some of the trees. All, I mean, they're not set in the same universe, but he does go back to trees now and again as kind of like as uh, focal points for societies. Was in startling in 1954. Son of the tree. Hall hails from 1951 Thrilling Wonder. The stories have a superficial resemblance in each other. A single viewpoint character gets involved in an alien society, but the resemblance ends at the surface. The same basic outline serves Vance equally well in two widely different stories. I'd say The House of the Ism is more delightful story solely because it's one page longer than its companion. But halves, uh, halves of the, this superb ace double are a treat. Two swift, colorful, marvelous, diverting science fiction adventures. I recommend them most highly. So he doesn't so, talk so about the plot. So you're saying we should have read Son of the Tree? Or well, the they're not available, right? Not as yeah. audiobooks. Um, but it, that the novelette format um, and the fact that they're not series um, are strikes against them in most uh publisher's view at the end of this audiobook uh stefan rudnicki's advertising the next uh books in the series that are forthcoming right right probably, the killing machine probably the this year stuff, yeah. is my guess well yeah well those two are i mean the um the palace of uh, i mean the killing machine came out earlier this year the palace of love i think just came out mm. so yeah and they're they're not so like uh that son of the tree uh house of ism ace double is a 111 pages and 112 pages, right? So it's a 223-page book. The Star King is 158 pages. So it's not like they're substantially uh, longer, but what what uh, he's saying about the differences between uh, the original Star King publication in the magazine and the one we've got, the audiobook version, the... Paperback oh, I'm wrong. The, fa- the faces just came out, so now they're now they've gotten four of the five Demon Princess books in audio. So, so there's only there's, so yes, yeah, so only the last yeah they only have the last one to go. That's good. So the the difference is is he adds to every chapter beginning uh, some expanded material to give us more about the universe and the background and that stuff. So I believe that's actually where that year 1492 came in. Mm-hmm. So, this was, I think, an expansion in order to capitalize on a new market. Like, so I haven't read those other two books, The Houses of Ism and uh, uh, Son of the Tree. Son of the Tree. I wouldn't oh. be surprised if they'd been expanded too, because a lot of um, 
I stumbled into early years. They reprinted a lot of a lot of novellas and so on from from various uh, science fiction magazines. Well, and uh, he, a lot he of them doesn't were, say that and that a lot of them were expanded. He doesn't say that that happened in this case. I can actually check on that. Mm-hmm. I think son of a tree, son. Oh, there it is. It's the Nopal Garth series. Um, it says originally published in Thrilling Wonder Stories in '51. When reprinted, uh, when printed as part of Ace Double, it had approximately the same length, about thirty-two thousand words, as the magazine edition. Um, that one's summary is Joe Smith is roaming the galaxy in search of, uh, of the man who has stolen his love's heart. Oh, uh, okay. During his travels, he becomes involved with a power struggle taking part between two worlds, one religious, oh, the other cultural over possession of a developing, but potentially lucrative third world. That's actually, you know, sort of the plot, uh, dynamics of the, of the exp- exploration people here, right? They want mm-hmm. to take the planet possibly for their own personal fiefdom, right? Right. So, well, right, right, right. To spoil, to spoil, um, to spoil it. That's basically Houses of Wisdom is actually in one of the uh, collections Subterranean Press did of Jack Vance works. It's in Book Five, the Grand Crusade. So that one, so that one. I have that cop. I have that book. I haven't read that edition because it's got Crusade to Maxis, Golden Iron, The Houses of Wisdom, and Space Opera. So I'll read the so, thing on that one here. It says, originally published in 54 and Startling Stories. It was published in 64 as part of the Nace Double, backed with Son of the Tree, also by Vance. The story published in Startling Stories is about 22,000 words, while the version that appears in the Ace Double is less than novel length at about 30,000 words. So another 8,000 words tree, added. Son of the Tree is also in another of the subterranean books. Yeah, it's, it's in the Dream second Castles. Yeah, so, series, number two. Oh, so yeah, so they're, it says, yeah, so they're <clears throat> in print. The p- plot for that one is, in this short novel, the planetism holds a monopoly on supplying the other worlds of the galaxy with houses that are actually living, growing plants, grown and adapted to fit the needs of their owners by the masters, uh, the master Isaac bot- Botanists and Farrah Sane, there's a good name, S-A-I-N-H, must somehow steal a female house seed and sneak it off planet to break this highly lucrative monopoly of living quarters. That sounds pretty good, too. Um, that, uh, steal- sounds as how, how the rubber, how the seeds of the, the, uh, of the rubber tree and the silkworms from Brazil. Absolutely. <laughs> Only that it's not rubber, but um, living houses here. Yeah. yeah, silkworms. This is a long, you know, a story of coffee beans, uh, all people stealing uh, from, you know, smuggling plants across borders in order to break monopolies. Um, so those were not intended to be serious, possibly. It's hard to say. I think he's probably just writing in order because one is published in 54 and one is published in 51. Yeah, he's just, he's just, yeah, he's not put, he's not making an explicit series. He just uh, likes, he likes, spinning up world building and stuff and then comes up with a plot i guess or maybe yeah, he comes I mean, up with a yes, plot he, and then fits f- finds what world it would he, fit in he, he loves to build his worlds mm-hmm. i mean that i mean i mean i mean that's part of the appeal of this thing because see, seeing the okiyakimi and how it works i mean we get he expands it in the subsequent volumes and he just starts here because we don't even get anything i mean because we mentioned the ipcc and weasels in this book but 
it's not until the second book that we actually get to see, well, what is the IPCC really doing and how does Kurt Gerson interact with them? And he, and he, of course, throws in all sorts of very weird Jack Vancey and sorts of things as the series goes on as far as how these worlds work. But so I, I really enjoy the universe of the Yoki Yoki Man more than, I mean, we have a mystery revenge plot in with science fiction wallpaper, as Corey said, but in a, in a, in a, in a universe where you don't know what sort of weird society or customs you're going to wind up with every time you land down on mm-hmm. a planet. And I really enjoy that sort of, um, that sort of tourism of the, of the weird societies that you can wind up in a Jack Vance book. He does mm-hmm. this here. He does this in, um, he does this on, um, on Chai. He does this in, um, the Grand Tour novels. He, li- he likes his, I'm going to put a weird society in, I'm going to put somebody from outside the site. He's going to have to deal with it. I mean, that's the plot of the moon moth, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. this is his jam. Like, guy winds up having to deal with the weirdest sorts of, th- this is the plot, kind of the plot of the role-playing game I'm running this afternoon. That You wind up in the next city and they have very strange customs about what you have to do and you've got to deal with it. And he shows there are many ways of being human. Mm-hmm. We're not all alike and you, sometimes the strangest aliens are ourselves. I mean, in some ways, the Star King is much is more human than human in some ways, and that's part of that. Well, of course, sense. they want to be better than humans. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I wanted to know more about their competitiveness with each other because if if you birth your babies out of your armpit and it's by parthenogenesis, um, okay, <laughs> that'll change. You can't get cuckolded very easily. <laughs> Right, you can't be jealous of somebody's sexual uh, conquests or anything like that, right? Um, so you can be jealous of what food they've had, or you know, don't think it's fair that they've had eighteen babies out of their armpits, and and you've only had six or whatever. Um, but what is their relationship to their offspring? We really don't yeah, touch on any see, of that. We don't, we don't stuff. see the Star Kings in any of the rest of the novels. It's just he's just the first of the demon princes. The other demon princes are human i mean we get we get some very weird planets and stuff they wind up in but we don't see the star kings again as far as i recall though it's been a while so but i think the star king i want to uh, here and that's over here yeah i want to i want to like so uh i've i've convinced somebody to join me uh next week on a short novel uh by an author who's pretty bad um lester del rey so uh, lester del rey has a few great short stories but they're kind of great despite his sort of incompetent writing because he's, and he's not incompetent. He's just bad. Like, you know, some people just. One of those make, who was a better editor than he was a better, than he was a writer. Lynn Carter is, I think, a similar case. Yeah. Uh, so I would say with Lynn Carter, he's, he's like, uh, he, he's an enthusiast, right? <laughs> but, yeah, he is. <laughs> he's an enthusiast. He likes his stuff, but he's not. He is not like H.P. Lovecraft or uh, Clark Ashton Smith or Robert E. Howard, where he's got something like a, a, a deep inside of his core. He's got a grinding stone that's throwing out sparks and making his muscles punch at people or ideas or rhyme things in certain ways, right? He's more like a guy who really liked those guys and didn't have a horrible childhood. <laughs> So it doesn't really have the the uh, the amazing 
thing. He can sort of copy it a little bit. Um, with Lester Del Rey, I feel like he's kind of like an enthusiast too, but his enthusiasm is for, uh, some sort of science fiction idea, usually in a setting. You know, there is a setting, yeah, it's on Mars or it's wherever. Um, but he's not great at plotting, but he does like the ideas. So I don't remember if I've read this one before. The Sky is Falling is one of them. And then there's another one in the same uh, Magna paperback. Actually, it's not Magna. It's MAGA. <laughs> MAGA book um, paperback with two Lester Del Rey's in it. You know, like a Ace Double. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I remember, like, reading his writing and saying, yeah, he's not great at the the making the words flow, like reading Stephen King's goes down so smooth, right? Um, a page, a page's turn. It's more like, oh, that was clunky. <laughs> the way he joins two things together or like why things happen is very workmanlike is, I guess, the polite way of putting it. Um, but he actually is operating in the uh, science fiction end Rather than the wall, the wallpaper is ugly <laughs> in his world, but he does always deliver. As far as I can remember, he always always delivers actual SF. And I, I obviously that's not the case with Jack Vance, because yeah, we get a, a awesome soft SF in the Moon Moth. Uh, I think the Potters of Frisk is that one of his too. I think that's a Jack yes. Vance. Um, and I, I think, I think I remember that one being like very, uh, planety based, but I'm, I'm going by memory of a long, if I, if I didn't do a show on it, I don't remember it well enough. Usually if it's modern, modernly read, you know, like, cause I, I'll start reading and it's like, okay, um, is this going to be for a show? Will I finish it? I don't know <laughs> if I don't have time when I'm processing things, but, um, so yeah, I'm kind of kind of really disappointed with this book because uh, maybe you built it up so much in my mind, Paul. I apologize. For... <laughs> well, you're th- you're enthusiastic. If you've read the series multiple times, the whole series multiple times, and you've read this book, did you say five times? Yeah, I think five times over Holy my life. Cow. That's that's that that's, that that sounds right. I've read Dune maybe three times. But this is short, much shorter than Dune. So. It is shorter than Dune, but uh, having read the whole series wouldn't be shorter than the first Dune book, right? So it's some, something really. You must have got it really young. This book. I did. I I, I did get this very young. I, Jack Vance was one of the first science fiction authors I was turned on to. I was first turned on to the the Chai novels, and then the then the Demon Prince's novels. Mm-hmm. And then I hit a wall because a lot of other stuff was out of print at the time. Mm. And it wasn't until the 90s and things coming back in print that I started ramping up and catching up on all the events that had been out of print all of them. The Dying Earth and... Wentz yeah. um, was Lionies. really difficult to find for a while. Yeah, yeah. He's, not, he's, not, he's not well distributed, I think. But he has been consistently even distributed. Even today, not everything is easy. The, no. the Dying Earth, you can usually get, but the others are not all that easy to get. Yeah, indeed. In fact, Dying so Earth I'm, is... So I'm, happy, so I'm happy that Stefan Rodnicki uh, is doing these audiobooks because of, 
give a chance for more people to experience his work. Yeah, no, he was good. So, he was good, you know. He's um he knows also how to think Vance holds up better than some other authors of the of the same era. Uh, simply because um it's not hard science fiction, so you don't have the dated science and the nonsense techno bubble which uh, maybe made sense in nineteen fifty but certainly doesn't make sense today and um yeah, and, uh, yeah, because, um, he sort of skips all that, right? There's a line. Out. There's a line in this book where he says the the crew of the ship has no idea, or the people piloting the ship have no idea how it's at, how how the thrusting works or anything like that. It's because yeah. right. Vance so, doesn't either. <laughs> He's just trying to. Right, but, and he doesn't. Do you exactly know how your car works? Most people, or how a plane works? Most people, um, well, have maybe a vague idea, but. Uh, but uh, not an exact idea right. either. Also, right, so if it, you don't, um, also if you write a modern modern story, you don't describe how the car engine works because it's just a way to get from point A to point B. Or well, he, he explicitly calls it out though in this, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> <he's> <laughs> so he knows. About he knows. It, but, uh, he knows. He knows. He knows he's not doing he's hard doing. SF, and that's not important to his storytelling. So he's he's just making a I, point. I, uh, I mean, I mean, sometimes his technology can be um, retro because not in this book. One of the Lady Dingbird Prince's books, he does make a what Kurth does make a call in a telephone booth, mm. which is very much period. But That's he's funny. just not <laughs> interested in that. He's just not interested in tech. He's more interested. I got to tell in you though, cultures like and, we did in Kurth's story. We actually, did. This uh, this one feels a lot more modern, I think, than it is actually. It's not bad for for you know. And I think it would make a, the Demon Princess books would probably make a great movie or TV series because you've got uh, uh, all these weird settings. You've got a crime lots plot. Lots of makeup. Plot and uh, because the Star Kings look human, you don't... Uh, and the girl goes into her... You don't need a lot of weird makeup and so on. The gir- right. girl goes into yes, her bathroom did. to tint her skin, right? What, what, we, yeah, that, the that, tint that, skin that, might be a problem. But yeah, <laughs> that, that, that gets a lot more play in the subsequent novels. I mean, he experiments with that here and then in the later novels it's 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 kind of a way for him to get around problems of racism and stuff because he may, he mentions that earth i mean people are basically mixed and kind of re-sorted on all these different planets but to having to avoid all that sort of stuff he basically has just about everybody use skin tone skin dye Kurth himself doesn't use it a lot but he does use it i believe somewhere in killing machine as a disguise but so it's a way for him to uh just to show, like, yeah, this here's a weird future where people will will, will change their skin tones at will bec- for fashion. Just like yeah. it's kind, also, kind of like, uh, imagine right. when this was written. This was written in this it came out in 1964, which was basically it's a it's a it's a during the civil rights era. Yeah, while the protest, while there were protests going on all around the U.S. Uh, yes. Yeah, I don't think he was thinking about that at all. No, 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 no. He Probably wasn't, not, but I mean, it was part of the, the fabric of the time. If he mm-hmm. turned on the TV, he probably he would have seen footage of protests and so on. I mean, I mean, we he's have not start... someone who's really interested in in making a. He's a not really. This is not a political not book at all. Interested in making a political point. It's no. not what his what his books are about. Which again is probably why they feel more timeless than some of the. And some other works of the same era. Of the era, yeah. He's just not, he's just not interested in those sorts of politics. I mean, we get kind of a sort of libertarians out the way. We're kind of a American frontier mentality in this book because 
because the IPCC is a corporation because the the planet said, no, we don't want a police force running over us. That leads to tears. Yeah, that's a, there, there is some, something about police brutality and police as a, as a, it's a, as a, it's oh, if it's some sort of a state within the state or something. So, so I did find the things about police brutality quite interesting, especially in the lines of the <laughs> Black Lives Matter events. movement and so on. Yeah, yeah. That, but that's... it's just uh, one thread. It's just okay. It's basically just to explain why do we have this police system and not another one. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Why? Why don't? Why, why do we have these independent uh, police people running around? Because because they show up in in um. The Moon Moth, the IPCC shows up in the Moon Moth because, because the IPCC wants, uh, wants the, um, the ambassador to, to hand, handle the, the criminal that's landed on the planet. So mm-hmm. it's an idea he expands and works with throughout the series, but it's kind of like very strange privatized. I think he was thinking of the Pinkertons a bit yeah. in, in creating them. This is like yeah. privatized sort of police agents spanning across the cosmos doing their best. To uh, to catch criminals in a very wide universe and so, having not a great uh, chance. With I that. imagine this would have confused me if I had been younger when I read it, simply because um, because um, privatized police forces are, are, are were not at all a thing at the time in in, in mm-hmm. Germany or anywhere in Europe. Europe, I think, only I think private security services only started showing up sometime in the 1990s. Oh yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah, in the U.S., they're much more common and much more like. More prevalent, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't mm-hmm. didn't jar me at all. Like, oh, we have private, private, private detectives and police. Yeah, that makes a sense. I mean, we have private. Oh, do we? Have, yes, we have private detectives, but yeah, they're mostly <laughs> not really. And we have um, crime. Uh, we have mysteries and so on about private detectives. But I think we have more private detectives and mysteries and and crime dramas than we have than we have um, in the actual world. <laughs> So um, I want to compare this book to uh, a Vance book that I thought was really good um, that we did recently. Uh, Cora, you weren't on it, but maybe you've read it. Um, that's uh, To Live Forever, which came out in 56 uh, or 57. I can't remember one or the other. Um, so that was one that just happened to be a Jack Vance book that came out as an audiobook, And I'm like, oh, cool. Um, but it, it, it really deals with the interesting theme, which is immortality and the way they get there and what happens when you live in a society, how does that affect people when, if you, uh, can get your social credit score up high enough, you get better health care and you get, uh, empathy with your clone and eventually you can live forever. Um, so that plot, I don't remember it. I don't remember the plot exactly. I remember sort of things happening in the plot but the exploration very very important the exploration of that society through this idea uh and that was you know that was pretty that was late last year that that came out yeah that we did yeah and it's like a it's a a very solid sf novel Whereas yeah, this that's one, much more, it's that, a, that's much more exploring SF, SSF rather than SF wallpaper. That's yes. Good. So uh, maybe that's the thing I need to ask is, ask Paul, is it an SF wallpaper book? Does it, like, um, Scott's really, really enjoying, he says. Um, and I believe him because he's, he, uh, but I think he's also wrong <laughs> that he's enjoying it. Um, the new Star Trek, uh, Voyager. Ancient Worlds? Yes. Um, I like the, the world is it's quite good, but I'm terribly behind on it. But is it SF wallpaper? 
because no, it's definitely no, not it's SF closer Logan. to the original Star Trek than I think any of the Star Treks of the recent Star Treks have been. Well, that's not saying a heck of a lot, right? Because yeah. <laughs> no, but even so, no, it's it's very much not wallpaper. It's very much work. We're, we're well, the SF ideas idea are inter- integral to the plot. Yeah. But are so like even some late uh, late season Orville episodes. I'm like, this is a lot of sort of like there's this uh, one of the recent episodes is like there's an on off romance or something like two characters, um, and the the way the SF there happens is she's really strong, <laughs> so they make like a joke about oh you're hurting me or something like that, and that. So that, yeah, technically that is um, uh, different alien cultures, but not really, because it's the focus on the romance, right? Or like uh, another episode, uh, like it was a giant action sort of Star Wars battle, and there's like a lot of those, but like, you know, many minutes long, maybe 10 minutes of, you know, Naboo fighters (laughs) going through trenches and stuff, like... That is not. Um, yeah. That is they not. They probably found the. They probably got some. Got some butler to do special effects and say, "Hey, let's have a space got, battle." And yeah, and, they, like and they, they thought <laughs> this is going to be awesome. Sort of not understanding that the reason I like Star Trek: Next Generation was not because Mister Data has a phaser, but because Mister Data. <laughs> Mr. Daisy has a phaser. Very nice. Very oh, by the way, Mr. Spock was in this book, too. I thought that was kind of weird. Because <laughs> it's pretty Star Trek, right? Yes. There's a lot of Mr. Yeah. Spock this, Mr. Spock that. Um, <laughs> I didn't see the spelling. Of course, it, uh, what's this, uh, this, uh, this guy who did the, the um, child rearing manuals, Dr. Spock, already around at the time. Yes, he was. Because I remember getting really confused when someone talked about Dr. Spock and Schaldrearing and said, like, why is Mr. Spock giving Schaldrearing advice? He doesn't have children because I didn't, of course, I didn't know this character. I'm sure he we does had similar now. characters in Germany, but, uh, but, um, I How many siblings does Spock have? I didn't know have? this guy at all. He has like seven, siblings? seven siblings at this point. Cybok and there's the, the the... No, I think it's just three. It's Cyborg and um, Michael, who's adopted, right. and I don't think that Spock has, has acquired any other siblings by now. I'm, I'm going to look up Spock's Of course, they might tree. still pop up. Spock never tells anybody yeah. he, has any, he has family <laughs> until they suddenly pop up. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, so, I, so, for, so for Spock siblings, Spock sibling you never heard of shows up in Strange New Worlds, I will not be surprised. Family tree. Let's look at this. <laughs> Uh, Sarek, um, uh, Amanda Grayson, that's a funny name. Uh, Perrin, Scon, uh, Scon, oh, Perrin's the replacement for his mom, uh, mm-hmm. after his mom died. Uh, Solcar, great grandfather, Cybok, half brother, and Michael Burnham. Okay, so not that many. Not that many at all. Okay. And uh, no one wants to remember Cybok exists simply because the movie was so bad. <laughs> Well, that's the thing, right? Is I remember I watched that in the theater. I'm like, oh, great! I love Star Trek IV. Uh, it's such a great movie. It's it was funny and it was about something interesting about whales being more important than humans with regards to saving the Earth from destruction because the aliens want to talk to their friends, the whales. I'm like, oh, that's cool, and it's time travel, fun, right? Um, and then I go to see Star Trek V and I'm like. These fucking marshmallow jokes suck. 
<laughs> or, 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 or Scotty banging his head. Yeah, it, it, that, it was just such what, a that's crappy... That's when I knew I hated Star Trek V, when Scotty says, I know the ship like the back of my hand, and he clunks his head. Yeah, so like, it's turning it into I a comedy. I, I, cause I was wa- it's cause... just a terrible... Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it's so, also, I think, I've, I've I think... in the theater. The first Star Trek movie I actually saw in the theater. I was a little too yeah. young to go to see uh, Star Trek Four in the theater. Theater, but I went to see Star Trek V in the theater, in the, oh, in the city theater, which actually is still there. There are many of our old movie theaters have gone, but this one is still there. And, um, it was just terrible. It's also, I think, the only yeah. Star Trek movie I've never seen more, I've never rewatched. So that's my theory, is that if we looked at it now, we're gonna love it a lot more than we did, because our, our, our standards are so fucking low now. Like, no. it's just, uh, no, I, I, I'm still. I still think I'm going to hate Star Trek Five. But you haven't seen it since I'm it came out. I'm not going to subject myself to Star Trek Five. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm not going to spend two and a half years hours of my life to rewatch. <laughs> is Star it, Trek is 5 it a two and a half hour movie? Jesus Christ! I don't. I don't. I don't know. I'm just. I'm at. I might have one to hour forty six minutes. It so. says. Yeah, it's it's not got a. It's got twenty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which is. That's from the critics, and the oh, audience says twenty four. I mean, I haven't also I haven't watched the first one, uh, rewatched the first one a lot because I don't like it very much. Yes, but the, that one is getting and, uh, better the, every the year. For Spock is one I always forget, except for wow, it had it had at the time cool early CGI, some of the earliest CGI effects, and uh, which of course are no longer cool today. And uh, yeah, it had Spock reappear. It, it had them bring back Spock, but I yeah, but that has the Genesis project, so that's really interesting. Yeah, the Genesis project, the Genesis that's, torpedo. Yeah, but it, the idea of making a planet over again and using that as a weapon, making making being God and all that stuff. So it's actually kind of interesting, as well as there being you know the. Sort of. The, I, remember, I remember it not being very. I remember it being quite good. It's just for some reason yeah. that I. It's the one I. I have felt. I don't. And have everybody a lot of likes. Of about Wrath and of also not one I'm likely to rewatch if I run across it on TV randomly. Yeah. Definitely, definitely not a uh, popular movie, Star Trek Five. But, <laughs> um, I, I I wasn't very happy with Star Trek Six either. I remember thinking this is. Um, more, it's a lot more like, in the same way that the next generation ones are not very good. The next generation, you know, there's generations and then a couple of genera- Star Trek gen- next generation so movies. It's four and um, none of them are particularly good. No, they're, because, like I saw, I, I happened to stumble over this old tweet where somebody was saying why one of these Star Trek next generation movies was good was because it had dune buggies. Like what? That's Nemesis, isn't it? I don't know, but uh, yeah, the thing is, is there was like enemy dune buggies and and also Star Trek dune buggies. And oh God, no! If there was I don't Nemesis, Nemesis expect um, dune buggies from Star Trek. I mean, dune buggies Thank are more. Dune buggies are more uh, Mad Max thing. But the thing is, is like in all the history of 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 Star Trek: Next Generation, Deep Space Nine. <laughs> original series you know they don't beam down to the planet with like a dune buggy and go dune bugging no. <laughs> around right they they beam down to the place where they want to and then they walk right and yeah they don't need a it dune buggy normally yeah it isn't about dune buggies right <laughs> that's the thing is like i love when i was a kid i loved herbie goes bananas you know 
like the Herbie movies where there's a talking car that's animated with a ghost yeah, or something, the right? Yeah, talking Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah, I, like I, I loved it. Especially since my parents actually had a Volkswagen Beetle. Right, of course. Though, it's fun. But it's for <laughs> fucking kids, and also it's not Star Trek. <laughs> like, there are modes of storytelling. And if you say, uh, you know what this gothic romance needs is more dune buggies. I'm like, maybe, maybe it'll work great, but I don't think that's the formula. <laughs> maybe we I mean, should just nice put dune buggies in everything. nice about Nemesis, which was absolutely terrible, but <laughs> even if it was just dune buggies. <laughs> dune buggies are cool and everything but we don't need them in star trek (laughs) that's not what it's about and he's oh but they're really cool designs man you get to see michael kuda or whatever design a console for for that i wanted some science fiction in my star trek thank you so much Oh, boy. Is it too much to ask? Uh, it is. Um, so I will spoil the killing machine is actually a giant mechanical weapon. I don't know what you're talking it's, about. What killing machine? That, that's, a, that's, a, that's the second Jack Vance Demon Prince novel. Oh, okay. Machine. So the it's actual, sort of like, like Star Trek's Doomsday Machine. Um, well, except it's planet bound, but yes. Ah. Okay. And, and the Demon Prince is trying to get it constructed and that's how Kurt Gerson gets on his trail because the demons is trying to make this super weapon. And yeah. so that's how Kurt, that's how Kurt's gets so it's on. So sort of, um, well, early, you know, what was the one called in what's the one in the new star, star Wars film, star killer base. Or, or oh yeah. That was yeah. pretty terrible. <laughs> so there's a book, um, uh, I found of his very early one called, uh, Vance. That is, um, it's called the, Five Gold Bands, also known as the Star Pirate, I think. And, like, it's got a Space Pirate, right? When it was published as a book. I'd like to read anything with a pirate in it. Space Pirate. Sounds good. Jack Vance is good. On the other hand, um, if it is science fiction wallpaper, I don't want to read it. So um, maybe I'm in sympathy with, like, there's a, a great book by Silverberg, um, it's a edit, you know, a collection he edits, and it's called Science Fiction 101, or the version I have is called uh, Worlds of Wonder. And he just picks a bunch of stories, presents them, and then writes an essay saying why it's so good. And the essay always highlights the things that we like about it, but also talks about why it works, like why this story works. And so he likes Vance, like I do. But uh, Vance, uh, doesn't always work clearly for me. Um, so, like, I, I want, it makes me want to read his review of this book, right? Like, hmm, cause I like pirates. I like Vance. Is this going to be a, a great book? But have you read that one, Paul? The Five Gold Bands? I have not read Five Gold Bands. That's, okay. that's a, that's a Vance I've not caught yet. It's first published in Startling Stories, November 50. And it's, I wonder if it's in one of the early one, or one of the Startling Stories, uh, is it's I mean, if it's startling stories, it's quite possible that it is wallpaper science fiction, simply because um, 
Startling Stories was not the sort of place where you could find, where you were looking for or finding hard science fiction. It's probably no, be a fun pulp but it, uh, I don't actually know what it is. <laughs> but you do get you do get a lot of social SF in there. Yeah, um, you do get uh, startling uh, stories. stories has a lot of social social SF stuff and also a lot of capital criticism of capitalism and imperialism and colonialism. In Planet Stories with the uh, with the well the, the babes with the with the brass uh, brass brass uh, on the cover and mm-hmm. uh, and the bug eyed monsters, but the stuff inside is uh, there's a lot of intelligent stuff inside. Mm-hmm. Also, usually entertaining. Yes, startling uh, is uh, is a little bit uh, it's not quite as good as Planet Stories. I think Thrilling Wonder Stories is also a little better, but they're usually at least at the very least they're they're entertaining. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm helping. I would actually be up if if it's possible to find it. I would be up to to doing that one eventually. I don't I know that like, it's avail- It's probably pilot. not available as an audiobook because almost nothing of it yeah, is. Yeah, I haven't seen. Yeah, which is you know why I was so excited to do this one because it's it's mm-hmm. the first of the series and and um, it's an audio. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I don't I don't think there's a, maybe maybe the whole plan is just to do that Demon Princess series first. Um, and see how I think it, goes. it also depends on how the sales are. Um, right. Presumably, right. I mean, if, if they're uh, amazing, if you get enough sales for that, because uh, when the star has uh, has sunk a little, I think more than it should should because it's nowadays he's remembered for the dying earth, uh, mm. but also among usually only among the people who who like that sort of of thing thing and uh, but uh, a lot of his others are largely forgotten mostly unfairly there's uh one here called um it's very long though which is scary uh chai t-s-h-a well, well the a, ch- that's a, that's just umlaut, a comp- that's just a compilation or, of uh, all the uh kind of adventure novels oh okay um that would so that's yeah that, quite that, large that's what, yeah, uh, yeah so i mean do, we could do the first one yeah, um, but um, you need to tell me we, we, about its um, city of the, city of the task is the first one. No, you need to tell and, me about it not being wallpaper. Um. Well, there's not a well. So spaceship crashes on a planet. Um, Adam Reith and his, Adam Reith has to make his way across the planet. Runs into runs into all sorts of aliens and weird cultures. Um. There's not a lot of tech to it. There's a lot of sociological science fiction in dealing with the weird cultures and customs and peoples mm. he has to deal with as he's traveling across uh, across across Chai with um with with his. So it's a lot of sociological science fiction. Mm. There's a, there's a, lot, there's a very lot. very long one. Maybe this is also a compilation. Lioness series book one. Yes, that, Soldron's that, 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 Garden. That's, that's, uh, right, that's fantasy. But it's still by Vance. Yes, yes, it's still by Vance. That's basically set in a, um, um, in the lioness, which is basically you know, like kind of like their Atlantis before it sinks sort of thing off the British coast, and all sorts of more sorts of adventures and misadventures on on the. But this on the is planet. also one that still lies. The lioness stories are still discussed on occasion. Yeah, since, uh, it seems actually that his and uh, dying Earth is of course uh, okay. It's Theoretically so, science fiction, but practically fantasy. And uh, for so some reason, fantasy is better remembered than, remembered than his science fiction. His science fiction, yeah. Which is there's a crazy review of it here on Audible. It's, it's, I can't even understand it. Uh, five stars for the performance, story, and overall. And the headline is "Fuck Me Up, Vance, Knockout Baby." 
And then the, the rest of the reviews can't what? get enough. Field goal, right in the net touchdown. Shooting from the line, Jack does it. Right in the five hole. Man, I love sports. <laughs> like, what kind of a review is that? Um, okay. So it could be a genuine enthusiastic review. <laughs> he mentions the name Vance. I usually ignore those, uh, those, also those reviews on Amazon and on Goodreads because unless there is now other reviews, simply because, yeah, a lot of those people <laughs> are basically just uh, following their own, own bugbears rather than writing a decent I review. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. The, the only other ones uh, gives it good performance, four stars, overall two, story two. It says, I like Dying Earth more than this one, so I'm going. Uh, and then it continues, going to read the series instead of finishing this one. Too many names to remember. That's what I thought anyways. Probably a terrible review. Don't listen to me. <laughs> Mind you, that's... Oh, okay. There's more. I was looking at the audible.ca reviews. There's more on the American Audible. Okay. Yeah, that's narrator issues. Uh-oh. Who's uh, Kevin T. Collins? I, I So... Doesn't it's it's so long it it's it's has eight ratings with four point four stars I guess that's good but oh uh, do you guys know if um, Audible's new policy where you uh, can return your book if you don't like it uh, means your review gets deleted if if you uh, gave a negative review because that would I have no ratings. idea I've never tried that okay. I don't know. I don't know if the review. But um, Amazon almost never really deletes any reviews, even if it's obviously for the wrong book. So, and Audible belongs to Amazon, so probably yeah. not. But yeah. I don't know. Well, well, it has separate areas. So there's Audible.ca reviews, Audible.com reviews, and Amazon reviews. But those are probably no, but all for the same. So they have the same, same policies. So yeah. I don't know about that, because um, uh, I. Because honestly, um, Amazon, every re- even if the review is obviously for the wrong, and there have been cases where a review has been for the wrong book, or someone just gave a bo- gave something a one star review because um, the book uh, the book arrived with half the pages miss- missing, which is not the fault of the book or something, or the ebook didn't work. So, right. so no matter how how nonsense the review is, it's uh, Amazon is not going to remove it. <laughs> mm. Hardcore fantasy reader. Because the customer's always right or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is a, it's a policy, all right. <laughs> I mean, it makes those reviews uh, largely useful, but I'm, I'm not a fan of consumer reviews anyway. I'm not either. I'm not either, but sometimes uh, that's all, you, all we have. I a professional reviewer of some, or semi-professional reviewer. It can be a fan writer like Paul or... Whose reviews I always uh, always enjoy reading. Yeah, although uh, yeah. Uh, the same thing I was thinking about Silverberg, right? So w- was he grumpy when he wrote that because he had read the original and he thought it was okay, and then he saw this and he thought it's just padded. Um, when I was reviewing a lot, which was years ago, um, I found myself not wanting to write reviews because I was angry uh, that books uh, were so uh, shitty uh, and writing shitty review, <laughs> like writing reviews of shitty books um, feels shitty. You know? It can yeah. be a lot of fun. I mean, um, it can I mean, be, but not when you say the terms. same things over and over again. Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, of course, you prefer yeah. reading a 
also um, with books, um, if the author with books, it's I have no problem calling a bad movie or bad TV show bad because it's a team effort. There's hundreds of people involved, and I'm not not telling any one person. Yeah, you you did. I feel a bit ba a bit bad about giving a bad review to a to a book because there's just only one or maybe two authors involved, mm -hmm. especially if the authors are still alive. Alive. If the author is dead, I usually and also um, I have slammed two books by living by authors who are still alive, both in their nineties. Piers Anthony and uh, <laughs> they Galactic can't fight Johnny. you. Piers Anthony and John Norman. But honestly, I don't feel bad about slamming them because a the books were bad. Bad. Uh, Anthony was worse than the Norman. Norman and. Uh, <laughs> And um, I suppose I haven't said anything worse than, the, than what they've heard like a thousand times already. Well, they're probably also not reading your view at age ninety. Yeah, I was also I was a bit cautious about slamming Lynn Car about slamming Lynn, Lynn Carter book. He's dead. Book because I have no problems with the guy, but he's dead. So it doesn't matter because I wasn't quite sure is he dead? How long? I has think he been this dead? is oh, something Paul and I talked about with his writing. Is like we talked about how with the lowest Goodreads ratings you ever gave or for a, a book you've reviewed and and it was like why, why not did... not very it, you didn't get like a lot of twos right because you no no this wasn't me because i don't use goodreads so okay i think you're talking about my regular reviews yeah i don't I, i'm generally if something's terrible i'm generally not reviewing it right. so yeah of course i, I, I have to be also, really also are still alive usually you're right yeah no you're re reviewing most I, modern I stuff like... right I don't yeah. like um, hurting someone who's still alive because the authors do read reviews on occasion. A lot of them feel feel hurt. I mean, in yeah. the Hugo finalist uh, Discord, Discord, there was one uh, one person person we had to sort of like calm down. Like, okay, yeah, someone didn't like your book, your story. It happens. Happens. <laughs> just ignore them and so on. So, <laughs> well, yeah. it is their baby, and you're calling their baby ugly, right? Yeah. But but right. it also but, becomes a problem if you actually if you know the authors in press. Sometimes you yeah. know them as people. Which is yes, again a problem I think that that's also dangerous, you have right? To because differentiate and uh, I have no problem differentiating the story from the person if I'm voting for the Hugos. But if I'm reviewing, it, it feels kind of bad. I don't really want to say yeah. say something bad about a story by a person I actually like, even if I don't like this particular story. It's an interesting right, so situation. I, so I will not review a lot of my friends for that reason, like. A, because if I don't like it, I don't want to tell them that. So I will just like, yeah, I will. I just lit, or, or if I don't like, yeah, if I don't like it, like, yeah, I'm not. I'm just not, not going to review this. Like, hopefully they'll do better on their next book. I don't wanna, <laughs> I, I You'll don't, review their good books, but not their bad books. It's well, the problem, I mean, right? I will read. I will, well, it's not a problem. I mean, no, no, I it's mean, a problem I, for. I, I wrote it. I, I wrote not for you. Years ago. I mean, it. I wrote a. Essay years ago about this phenomenon, even before I was even more connected to the science fiction community than I am now, because supposedly I know half the people in science fiction. It's not true. It's only I only know twenty one percent. Um, but so it's like, I mean, I my voice, my I want to promote things that are good. I don't see myself valuable in, in tearing down things that are bad. It's not I'm not saying that they aren't bad. But or not didn't work for me. But I don't feel like I'm, especially for someone I know, like pissing on pissing on their baby is not my idea of a good time <laughs> because I'm not going to enjoy no. writing that review of of Fran's book or Ken's book or Max's book or whoever's book because like why why am I going to put myself through 
writing a painful reveal, like why their book didn't work for me. What what joy do I get out of that? It's interesting. I mean, it's like what what's the purpose of reviewing, right? So I, the reason I well, used to review books is because I wanted yes. to get free audiobooks, right? And it worked. It worked way too well. Way too well. We just like got onslaughts, big piles of, you know, coming in the mail. It's like, and, you know, Scott would get them and I would get them. And then it was like, there's just too many. And it's like, I'm overwhelmed. We try and farm them out. Couldn't farm out, you know, most of them. And I would try and write reviews of as many as I could because I was, I love science fiction and science fiction audiobooks. And, and so that was the initial motivation, but also like talking about books, ideas gets you thinking about what's happening in the book, right? Which is also yes. interesting. And you want to tell people about good books or that, but when you have a bad book, why is it a bad book? It's an interesting intellectual exercise, but if the... Well, well- Okay. Yeah, go for it. Right, but yeah. if it's somebody, if it's somebody who I don't know, yeah, but, but somebody um, I don't know, it's, it's fine. If you but. know the author, it it kind of feels uh, feels bad. It kind of feels problematic if you don't. Uh, <laughs> yes, like so. It's, it's, uh, yes, like especially some of them are very, and it doesn't matter. Some of these these authors are very very successful and also very insecure. Insecure <laughs> and uh, you think, okay, I don't want to hurt you. Hurt you. Why should I? You're a nice person. I like you. I like you. Okay, this book. I mean, I will say like, okay, when I do the overview of the, the Hugo finalists, I sometimes say like, okay, this series doesn't work for me as well for me as the other series of by this author, the other book by this author. But apparently, lots of people disagreed, so I try to be fair. So uh, the, the question like said, then becomes the books I two things. Are, most of the books I actually review are by people who are dead or very very old, so it doesn't. So I, it doesn't really matter if I... If so there's I two something. other things that uh, c- come into it. Me, one is I always want to be honest. Like, I don't want to ever write anything I, I don't believe. You know, I don't want to, like... There's a lot of people who, like, for their job, they... Th- there was actually um, uh, some YouTube video talking about the the new upcoming Prime show about Lord of the Rings... Some right. camp, War of the Ring or oh, whatever yeah. it's called. I think they, they had uh, had actually they, they paid people to, to be excited about the show that That's no one is really excited about because uh, look, no, I'm sure somebody's going to want to watch it. I'm sure, but yeah. but the thing is, people is when you hire, it, but I'm also I'm still not sure what's the point. What's the point is is they don't have the rights to any of the actual talking material. Yeah, it's it's the right to So they just made something yes. up, up. Why exactly they could have. There's umpteen uh, great fantasy series out there they could have adapted and with where people um but they they want Lord of the Rings which has actually I mean we had a good adaptation of the actual Lord of the Rings uh, some twenty years ago which is still very good so we don't need another one. Well, I think so, uh, yeah, uh, uh, st- setting that aside, the you know whether it's going to be a good show or not probably isn't. Uh, but setting that aside, hiring people whose job it is to say good things about about it is intellectually dishonest, right? Very and lucrative. So. It is and lucrative. Intellectually but dishonest and lucrative. Reviews are a thing. Oh, it's most a huge thing. Even, Not for yeah, books, generally. Thing. Most of them, are, of course, are fake reviews for, um, 
hotels and yeah, um, yeah. but not for know, books appliances or whatever right generally not for books there are fake reviews for books but it's not like a major industry you can usually spot the fake reviews for books simply because uh, they say almost nothing about the book yes oh best book ever five stars blah blah or it's <laughs> written by the author under a pseudonym right <laughs> which yeah, yeah, something yeah, august derelict yeah. reviewed one of his own books uh uh, this is what makes him a scumbag, right? More than anything else, is he he heaps praise on his own novel under a pseudonym. That's a fucking scumbag because <laughs> he's intellectually dishonest, fundamentally dis- intellectually dishonest, right? So there's the the but the thing is, is you not reviewing a book because you don't want to hurt an author's feelings is not intellectually dishonest, but it is a disservice to your idealized reader, whoever that is. Right? No, well, I, I mean, I mean, that's holding that's, my tongue, holding my tongue about um, John Smith's book and John Smith is a friend. <laughs> is, is that, is that, or is that just me not, I, I mean, it's a disservice. You tell the truth at all times. I mean, it's you tell dis- the truth at all times. Yes, I do. You uh, do so, so someone says, is my baby beautiful? And you don't find the baby beautiful. Say, no, uh, your baby is ugly. Do you say Actually, that? I, uh, if you're careful, and I, I have developed many techniques so as to not lie. One of them is to, uh, throw some sparklers into the air, right? So that I don't have to answer the question, is your baby no, ugly? You're being, by, is my baby ugly? Dishonest, though. You're being intellectually dishonest. You're not telling the, that you find the baby ugly. That's what I, Why that's being dishonest. Well, is it dishonest though? That's the question, well, right? Well, you're, you're accusing me of being dishonest. That's not actually not what I said. If you, if you rewind, I, I said you're doing a disservice to your idealized reader, right? So if you said to me, Paul, uh, Paul says to me, Hey, Jesse, um, I, I just got this new, uh, uh, wig <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. Hairpiece, right? Um, how does it look? And uh, I look at it and I judge that you're not going to cry if I, if I give you my honest opinion. I will give you my honest opinion. Now, if I, if I think your, your world will fundamentally crumble, um, and you know, you, you won't come out of your house for six months. Um, well, uh, I will throw some sparklers woman, in the way, in the air, and make like, a joke. Oh, do you like my new hairstyle or whatever? Yeah. Ever or my new new shirt? Often I don't like it. Usually it's just like, oh yeah, yeah, it's it's fine or something because um because well it's it's like I said it's their it's their life and so sometimes they like oh I like the yeah new hairstyle looks nice but I like the old one better. That's uh, about <laughs> as honest as I will go in those cases because honestly it's not worse. Uh, was offending a relative or a friend over something smart, as... Smart people will learn not to ask questions of, of people who are willing to give honest okay, answers. Be honest, and I say, yeah, honest, sorry, I like the, I like the older hairstyle better or something like that. Right. So, of course, the, people never have any problems. Oh, no, no, it's getting, getting better. But people, when I was younger, people never had any problems telling me how awful they found my, my hair and that I should cut it. <laughs> cut it. But, wow. Yeah. I have very long hair. Long hair. Paul has met me in person, so he knows. Yep. And uh, got a lot of, of when I was, uh, was a t- in my teens and early 20s, I got a lot of, oh, when are you going to cut it up? Someday you're going to cut it up. Oh, you're going to cut it up. Now you've decided never to cut it. I said, I'm not going to cut it off. Yes. Off and uh, I couldn't and, imagine and you woman, with short hair. Woman, or, once, uh, once, she was your a look. very, very old woman. 
woman who had to, I was supposed to, to do a thank you, to say thank you to someone who'd given me a gift for my confirmation. Maybe she lived in the neighborhood. The woman was old and her mother was even older. She must have been in her 80s or maybe 90s. And she, she said, come in. So the mother wanted to see me. See my, because she hadn't seen me since I was a baby and I didn't know this. There was this really, really old woman in a wheelchair and she had, had long hair all the way to her tailbone and uh, it was braided. Braided. And I told this old lady, oh, I love your hair. It's so great that you have long hair. And after I met this woman, I was about 14, I said like, okay, I'm not going to cut off my hair unless I want to, because if that old woman can have long hair, then right. so can I. Right. Yay. Yeah. So the, the, the question, I'm not include, accusing you of being intellectually dishonest. What I'm saying is there is a problem in the industry of reviewing, right? And I felt this. In it, it's when we do a disservice to our idealized reader, right? The idealized reader is basically us, right? You say, how would I want, what, uh, what things do I want to see in a review? I want to see things that make me know about the book, whether I should read it or not. Or I want to see what the reviewer thinks the book could be or could have been. Right. And and then it becomes like an intellectual um, entertainment as well. Reviewing serves multiple functions. Uh, Ratings does not. Right. So if you if you uh, review review only by ratings, you say, I give it a zero star. I I get a five. They're really unuseful in a large respect. Yeah. I only but, do them for Galactic Journey because they want ratings. Right. I don't like but, ratings. But the thing is, is it's a service when many, 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 many thousands of people honestly rate. Um, that allows us to dismiss things immediately, right? Because there's yeah, just too many choices. But as an no individual, is rating honestly because, especially since Amazon and it's so very difficult. That everything that's not five stars is bad. Yes, okay. and that's and why I, the average when reviews. When they tell me like, "Oh, will you rate our service or something?" I just click it away because uh, whenever I'm I'm honest, it's like, "Oh, you only gave us four stars. Why didn't oh. you give you give us five stars?" And saying, "Okay, for oh, giving me five you- stars, you have to." <laughs> it basically would have been so over the top, which is impossible. So I, I have to tell you a story about that chorus. Um, I think Jesse knows the story. So, you know, remember my trip to Oregon last year? My couple, my um camera cards died and I sent them mm-hmm. off to yeah. service to get the, mm-hmm. get some of the pictures back. So I got them back. And so, um, some weeks ago they texted me asking me to rate them on Google. I said, I might. And then a couple of days later, they texted me several times in mm. the same day. Oh, have you rated yet? I haven't seen your rating yet. Have you got this? And so I finally gave them this. You only have to do a few lines. You can rate this. So I gave this like 1000 words about it and talking about, I, I, I tied I tied in the ex- how expensive it was and how I was annoyed how I understood that they had to they wanted nagging the ratings because that's the way the game works but I didn't appreciate them texting me to do that so I wound up giving them four stars so I got my revenge kind of <laughs> because they they got they give me exactly see Jesse so I could be honest when I need to be I could give them exactly what they wanted what they asked for but not what they wanted. And, and if I don't know an author, and we I don't. Read, we don't know that that's not what they wanted because sometimes it's they, just they wanted they, a five star review because it's just because it's course yeah. if it's less than five stars, it's worthless. So oh, I kind okay. of well then I, they I told you. I kind of gave them. 
I kind of didn't give them what they wanted or needed. But if, if you're going to text me and harass me into giving you a rating, you're going to get the <laughs> then honest you're going gathering. to get an honest one and you're not going to like it. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Exactly. So yeah. I, I'm so trying I to find the average on. rating on Goodreads. I, I believe it is. Uh, Goodreads a, is, is, I think, quite. Goodreads is, is more actually critical than, than the Amazon. But for, because on Amazon, everything that's not five stars is considered bad, which is ridiculous. Yes. Uh, that, 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 that makes the ratings worthless. Right? Because a lot of the books on there are not on the market, right? They're just books that existed and people have read and rated it so uh, but the thing is is uh i remember the number being somewhere around three and a half i can't i can't prove that just by searching it out because all it brings up is people saying is my number okay (laughs) um you know um but um there's also the the more popular the book like as more people have read it the lesser chance it has of getting a perfect five, right? Because people will read the book and who are not the target audience and don't like it. Also, you have to be given the book by a friend or something like that. But there's like a number where um, the the major, like the bigger the number of people having reviewed it, the closer it is to the mean of of what people would probably think of it, right? So I I used to review a lot for IMDb. Um, and, uh, I was, I thought very carefully about writing movies against each other in a kind of a rankings. This is long, long time ago. Right. But like this movie is better than that movie based on me having re- seen both movies and thinking, so I, I would put the, the, uh, ra- the star rating somewhere. And the thing is, is on a scale of one to 10, um, you actually have a little more flexibility, but everybody knows anything under five is a shit movie, right? And anything above five has a possibility of being good. But my personal thing was like, I won't rent a movie if it wasn't very close to seven, generally, unless I had a reason to watch it anyways, right? And then if anything's above a seven, I probably will watch it. But... Then IMDb got bought out, and now you can't trust any ratings for any new movies, right? So there, there is a, it is, there's a. There's a also ga- the review bombing phen- phenomenon. That's people deliberately um, giving bad reviews to movies they haven't even seen. We had saw this happen with Black Panther and Miss Marvel, a lot of a lot of Marvel movies, and also or like Wars the Miss Marvel series, yeah, yeah, yeah the Marvel series too, I think. Uh, and the, the Ghostbusters, the, the, the 2016 one, yes. I couldn't sit through that movie, it was so bad. Oh man, it was so terrible. Not funny. I mean, and it's fine that you didn't like it, but people rating it before they ever seen it is is what Corey and I are talking Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Because, oh, there's women in it, and the women are not attractive. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, original <laughs> Ghostbusters were attractive guys. It's not the point of Ghostbusters. You don't watch Ghostbusters to watch attractive people. <laughs> well, they weren't, they weren't attractive, attractive in the first place. In the, ori- in, the, in the new Ghostbusters and in the original one, because the new one had Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, some people, some people do the same thing, right? They rate the, they think how hot somebody is and they give the star rating for that, right? So it, it works both ways, but yeah, you shouldn't review anything you haven't, right? I, uh, if you haven't read it, if you haven't, um, seen it you you have no intellectual honesty to give it a rating or a review 
you can say it doesn't look good. I don't want to waste my time on it. But that's not the same thing as a review. Yeah. For example, I have zero interest in watching Top Gun Maverick, but um, I would never consider reviewing. I hear it's good. It's supposed yeah, to be super propaganda and also I good. Zero, I still have zero interest in seeing it. It because um, I had zero interest in the original, and I have zero I have zero interest in the sequel. No one really asked for it. May well be a good movie. I'm not saying that it's a bad one because simply I haven't seen it. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people asked for that sequel, in, including Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, life is too short. <laughs> definitely, definitely, and that's why we have to rely on our our really. Uh, I the magazine I I bought the most to get reviews was PC uh, Gamer. I I bought that magazine consistently month after month because it had such a wonderful giant reviews of games. Um, but. The price just increased so much, and I was using their podcast, and, you know, I eventually stopped buying the magazine. But also a lot of the people uh, who are writing for it went on to other things, like one of them went on to do the Star Wars movie. Uh, that was the, <laughs> was the Rogue One. Yeah, Rogue One. He also did the uh, Western uh, with, um, blind, uh, black man, what's his name, actor. You know the movie I'm talking about? Who ro- don't. Rogue Run. Rogue One. Rogue One. Uh, it was directed, no, written by some guy. <laughs> by some guy. Some, is that some comma guy or guy comma some? Oh, Gary Witta. Um, he wrote Book Book of Eli, and that's a good. Oh movie. yeah, oh oh yeah, that's not a western. Oh, that's, that's one. Yeah, it's, that's, a, that's, it's that's a western. Post apocalyptic. It's a western. It's a post apocalyptic. Well, okay, it's a okay. The question is: Is again, what is, is it? Science fiction trapping, or yes, is it science science fiction wallpaper? Um, it's a science fiction wallpaper. Yeah, it's Maybe. actually a fantasy because it's set in the future, uh, but not, he not, has not, vision not, from God. Not 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 to mention not to mention a braille. Bible wouldn't fit into one book. I, I, so that, that makes it fantastic to begin with. I didn't even notice that part, but I noticed um, that because he's carrying what supposedly is the entire Bible in Braille in one book. Like that's not how yeah. works. <laughs> that's not going to work. <laughs> so he he wrote the Book of Eli after Earth, which I haven't seen. That's the Will Smith, Jaden. I've Smith not seen movie. that one either. Um, and uh, Rogue One and something called Starlight. But he <laughs> oh, wrote. So he, you can he, be cold when you want to be cold. That's a really good yeah. movie, though. Book of Eli. It's not an amazing yeah. movie. Like, it's not number one in the list of fantasy post-apocalyptic movies. But it's a very good movie. Very solid script. And I think that's the same is true with uh, Rogue One. I think that that's a very solid script. It's well put together. It doesn't really need to exist because we we get that from a clip, you know, in... Yeah. Many Bothans died. Better than, um, it has any right to be. I think. Yeah, no, it's a it's a because good it's film. It's a superfluous movie, but it's it's good. It's yes, the, the it plot a, works. It has a good script. The the pacing is good. All that stuff. Um, that guy wrote amazing reviews of video games, right? Wonderful essays, and I was like, this is what good essay writing is. This is also uh, very informative. Makes you. Uh, want to play the games or laugh at the games that are so badly put together. Um, 
and they had a rating system out of a hundred, and they yeah, would argue endlessly for uh, about you know half of a percentage points of you know whether this game was better than some previous game in the series. And the problem is there's always the inflation, right? The companies are trying to push for higher, higher ratings, and they're saying, well, the highest we've ever given is eighty six. And you want to say your game is better than this other game? There's a hell of a lot of pressure there. But the the intellectually honest, uh, idealized reader thing is really important. And so, like, I think what Silverberg is saying to living author, then living author Jack Vance, is like a slap in the face. But I don't think it's a, a malicious one. I think it's uh, no, but it doesn't take malice though to me to hold my hand. My, I mean, I mean, it might be interpreted but, as malice. But would would who would have been served by him saying nothing? Um. But again, mm, but but on the other hand, was was Silverberg friends with Vance? I don't know. It doesn't sound like they were best buddies. But he, he re- did two reviews in that. They probably did know each other at least. Oh yeah, other, but certainly. Cons and certainly. Cons. But but we also have a smaller world now where we have the internet where yeah. where if I, if like like um I suppose Jack Vance would not have uh, I mean and there are reports of people getting into fights uh, fist fights and so on at Worldcon. <laughs> Worldcon, but I suppose Jack Vance would not have slapped uh, Robert Silverberg if he met him at the Worldcon five months or so after Silverberg gave uh, the Stark gave Starking a bad review. Now they just want them no, no, to fuck off hard, into no. the sun or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> um, but but like like suppose I took um, Cora's story Blasters of Forever and wrote a negative review of it. Yeah, well, you did it. write a very nice one, actually. <laughs> yes, it were, but what if I were to What if I didn't like it and wrote a negative one of that? What would it serve? No, not like? not what would it serve necessarily? Well, who would it serve? Who, who would, would it, it serve, serve is one question, right? The answer would be maybe Cora. If the if the story is bad and your your review of it gave insight, that would um, actually. But, but uh, if, case, if she's I, I, actually, I don't read the, the low star reviews because um, they only make me angry, <laughs> and uh, I don't. Did you give it a star it. rating, Paul? Yeah, the star um, rating one because I, I, also usually it's something some some guy like at Amazon Zone or wherever who uh, this is really the, I did read that one and <laughs> because the guy the, the reviewer is basically he's like I got this book for free and um, seeing that apparently incensed him beyond. Beyond believing was the, the uh, he must have read the whole thing, thing, mm-hmm. and um, and then he got to the author bio and it incensed him that I mentioned that I have an MA degree in English. This is apparently absolutely impossible to mention that you have an academic degree. He hates academics, so he hates my book and gave me gave it a one star review for a book he didn't even pay for because he got it for free. Or she, uh, so, she got a single star. so lesson and, learned. Uh, yeah, don't just, mention uh, MA. I mean, you can laugh about that sort of thing, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you should. You should because because it's... he's obviously an idiot. Well, uh, the, the thing is, is uh, if that is in the story, like if you say I'm writing this, uh, holding a it, MA, it has nothing to do with <laughs> right, the right, right, right. Oh, it's it's only the author bio, bio which comes yeah. after the story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, someone told me, oh, but it's not common, common to say, but I said, like, yeah, why shouldn't I say I have an English degree, well, a degree, what else should I say? Yeah, talk about your pets or your families or your children. I said, I don't oof, have children, I don't oof. have pets. pets. Talk <laughs> about your pets. Yeah, I've read a lot of those, those author reviews. 
uh, author bios. Uh, yeah, it's always like, honestly, I don't particularly care about your pets or your families or something. Uh, <laughs> one thing that annoyed me is the Marco Klose, the, the German-American um, military science fiction writer. writer. His bio starts with, he was in the German army. And I think like, which German army? Can you please tell me which Germany he is? he from East Germany, West Germany at the age? At his age, it's um, it's kind of important to know where he's from. Yes, like, yes, tell me where is. he was born in Germany. He's actually from West Germany. And um, whether it was East or West Germany, oh, he was in German army. Great. We had compulsory military service for men at the time. So mm. so he would have been in the army anyway. It's like saying, oh, he graduated from high school. Well, often it's it's about identity, right? So this is what... Yeah, he writes military science fiction and he probably didn't write this bio. But I know, remember, it's really annoying me. Like, uh, like okay, yeah, he was in the he did a stint in the army. Everybody did this. It's the same thing like about if you're talking about someone from Israel. They're all, they're it's all funny the army. you mentioned that yeah, because uh, last week or the the one I've been editing up that's coming out this week. Um, <laughs> it's actually or maybe it was last week. The pre persons I we talked about a oh, lot of God. a I lot about <laughs> <laughs> we talked a lot about what Paul would think of it uh, because he, you know he's raised Catholic and he's also very pro. Uh, abortion, as in uh, a choice, right? So we were thinking, like, what? What? So we'll speculate. I'm like, I don't know. And what about Scott? And I'm like, well, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they would think. But one of the things that came up was um, I was talking about a podcast or a streamer service that uh, some guy was saying, "What do you think that your future in streaming is?" Right. And with streaming, basically, you're at the whim of the audience who will snitch on you. So if you, like, uh, say the word cracker, <laughs> you can get kicked off of Twitch because that's considered a, a slur, right? Uh, as you, you lose your ability to stream for Amazon. Um, if you say, uh, or if you have any nudity, um, like if, if, uh, you, showed a video of somebody nude or something that will get you banned as well. Um, and one of the people, uh, who works for one of these streamers, um, I, I was like, who's this person? So I looked her up. She was the editor for the streamer, you know, taking the clips, uh, from the video that he streams and uploading it to YouTube. Um, and her bio was, she has an MFA, right? But she works as the, the, uh, editor for this famous um video game player why is mfa in her twitter bio because that twitter is her weird anyway that's her identity weird things in that twitter bio indeed bio, so. but that's her oh, identity like someone says like husband father or mother or something yes like that. and like that's their identity that. that's who they that's are their identity apparently it's really important uh, Indeed. The funniest one is for the guy who, what's it, Anthony Rapp, the guy who plays um, Paul Stamets in Star Trek Discovery, and mm -hmm. his Twitter bio is something like, "I'm the represent, I'm the representative for the Screen Actors, uh, what's it called, Screen Actors Guild or whatever it's called. It's yeah. the union, He's a union rep for New York City." Also, okay. the stage actors, it is not it's stage right. actors actually because yeah. he's a Broadway actor, right. and it's like, okay, but. <laughs> Uh, that's great for this union, but that's really not not what he's known for. He's known for being the guy from Star Trek, and he's like, 
but that's not his identity, okay, right? That's not who he is. He doesn't identify as that, though, right? Yeah, that's not how he... I mean, mine says, Reiter, Tiegler, translator, and three-time yoga finalist, and then the pronouns. <laughs> There's not a lot more of a place, <laughs> space there. Yeah, well, you have limited space, right? All, all of mine are jokes, which is because my identity is just jokes, basically. But... <laughs> My or my whole identity is a joke, Paul. Um, <laughs> I'm, I didn't say a word. I was even thinking. <laughs> I know. I'm just teasing you. Um, but the thing is, is uh, it, it it is weird what people care about. So if if you were to like go and make Twitter bios for people like uh, Robert A. Heinlein, what would his Twitter bio say right, if he was alive? It probably wouldn't say libertarian, one time socialist, right? It might, though. That's probably what a lot of people would think it is. He'd probably be he like a Elon Musk fanboy hashtag guy, yeah. right? He would probably mention his military career because it was really important to Yes, him. it would, yeah. yeah. Even yeah, though it was only identity, was the yeah. military for a very short time, actually. Right. But he probably would have said something like would be on the list. Writer would be on the list. But he wouldn't say Hugo Winner. He would say writer or maybe author of a chil popular children's book series also lieutenant in the navy during world war uh, prior to world war one uh, world war ii right <laughs> midshipman or something he wouldn't like say that. hugo hugo winner but um also um when he won his first uh, i think he won the third ever hugo he was one of the third ever ever best novel hugo so it i think that that'd be a good series of tweets cora um maybe maybe something for you to do you just fake up some Twitter bios for dead science fiction authors and put a, put their picture in there, put in their pronouns if they have any, um, if they would go along with it. Um, whatever. I, I see the weirdest things. I saw one set of, you know, those flags that you can, or I, emojis you can put in your Twitter bio. I saw somebody had a Ukraine dove pirate. <laughs> Pirate flag. Okay. I'm like, what? I'm not <laughs> can, sure how that how can these three things go Actually, together? Uh, the Ukrainian, uh, in Germany at least, if you see someone with a Ukrainian flag in their bio, unless they actually are Ukrainians. Ukrainians in Germany for some reason it's a Ukrainian flag in the bio is often a often a, a code for okay don't engage with this person they're kind of they're annoying which is weird because I don't uh, think that's just in Germany my friend wrong with supporting Ukraine but uh, for some reason it's also uh, and, um, red spot is a bad sign in Germany red, red spot what, means what's a red uh, spot? means uh, oh, means really overly really means annoying person for some reason <laughs> what is it a symbol of uh, it was a symbol, I think, originally for people who were who were when we are when practically everything was still in COVID lockdown oh. lockdown who thought that there wasn't enough lockdown oh, lockdown and wow. so red spot means um, okay let's <coughs> don't engage with them them the, the cross also means the cross is kind of, and if someone has a German flag it's usually uh, usually kind of right wing somebody <laughs> if somebody someone has a Swedish flag flag it usually means we kind of like we like Sweden's. Uh, Sweden's code policies, if it's a German person, unless it's someone who's actually Swedish. Somebody so just retweeted or liked one of my show note <laughs> things, and her or his bio emoji things, uh, Carly is the person's name, and they have the communist uh, symbol, uh, you know, the hammer and sickle, a growing plant, raining, and the sunshine in the background, a tomato, uh, <laughs> a green... 
vegetable of some kind, a hot pepper. The communist who likes gardening? I don't I know. Guess sunny, sunny symbol, and then also the aloha sort of flower. So this is a person who has many interests. <laughs> I don't put, I never put emojis in my, my Twitter, uh, Twitter bio. It's just my name and occasionally you, something Paul? like, like, oh, I'm a, I, I told uh, you, um, no, I didn't do it this time, but I did do last. No, I, I, I've had years ago. Emojis. I was like, I'm a Hugo finalist. Yeah, you have. Uh, I think you have a. You have a, have a oh, okay. camera, don't you, Paul? In your Twitter bio. Oh yeah. Um, I, I used that. to. I took that out. I took that out. Ah. No, you don't have any current. Uh, currently, I don't have phone. any emojis. Hugo finalist, fan writer at Nope Scene, Skippy Fantasy Tour dot com, and elsewhere. Podcaster, photographer. I'm just this guy. You know he him. <laughs> yeah. And a Patreon so I, link, so I, I, and, and you live in the Vale of Am, a Vale of Garth, Garnath, Garnath, yes, in Amber. Well, well, that, that's again another reference for those who know. Yeah, that's one for. I mean, I kind of like those. Those even if it's sometimes kind of annoying. They're like, just okay, they're yeah, just well, jokes. No way, you really live. Live. I know you don't live in Langmar, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe he reads Langmar all day. You don't know. <laughs> Actually, someone, uh, some guy, I, I have a guy I follow, a German fan, fan. His uh, Twitter bill is literally, I would like to go to take a stroll on the Plaza of Dark Delights in Langmar. And I said, yeah, like, who wouldn't? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd want to have some protectant guards there with me. I want to have some guards. Really because... tell, doesn't really tell you much about uh, him, besides aside from the fact that he's a big Leiber fan, which mm-hmm. is, of course, uh, great, and which is also why I'm interacting with him. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Uh, I keep uh, I I tell I used to tell my mom my German fan. Uh, mm-hmm. The SFF audio podcast is huge in Germany. <laughs> I don't know yeah. why. I think probably because my German fan was like telling people to listen to it. But yeah, there's well, also a lot of Germans who read a lot of science fiction and there's a lot uh, of are, uh, German science fiction fans, and they do, a lot of them do read in English because yes. those things were either not translated or translated badly or cut yes. badly, so you had to read in English. Like the, uh, I don't know of any in England. Like I, I know there's a guy in Ireland. Uh, you know, there's there are other countries. Um, but Ger- mean, Germany, uh, there's like I'm multiple. If, if Connor, who's now in Kassel, is listening, well, yeah. if Mirko He's an import. from the, the, love, yeah. from the HP Lovecraft podcast, Mirko's the original. Yeah, yeah, Mirko's great. He, <laughs> do you, by the way, do you know that he actually is an undertaker? Oh yes, by profession. Oh yes, <laughs> I. I, I he used to not, not be, but mesh yeah. between profession and and. Uh, he used to work in a bookstore, but yeah, yeah he transitioned to. Uh, being an undertaker, which I think is hilarious because... Yeah, it's kind of uh, it's like, okay, what's the most suitable profession for someone who doesn't love that podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we need to get that, do an episode on the Love Dead by C.M. Eddy and have him on. <laughs> See if he has any real stories. <laughs> oh, dear. That story is amazing. <laughs> Apparently it's only very lightly revised by Lovecraft, but I, I, I thought Lovecraft was the funniest guy after I reading that story because it's just so – he is funny, but man. Lovecraft can be funny, which is uh, – He's dry, though. He's pretty dry. A lot of people know, but he can be very funny. <laughs> yes, he definitely has. He definitely has jokes uh, with a humorous, wry, dry humor. But uh, <laughs> the Love Dead is next level hilarious. Oh, my God. It's so funny. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. 
please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sffaudio. Uh, I wanted to update you both. Um, I did add some things to the schedule. Uh, let's see here. Um, so, first thing up is, yeah, The Sky is Falling by Lester Del Rey. I think it's about three hours. I've already edited it up. Robinson Crusoe that, uh, is... Next? Yeah, next, that's next uh, week. Sunday? Yeah. Next, next Sunday? I believe it's a Sunday. Let's see. 24th, yep. Same time. Should be Sunday. <sighs> Very short. I think it's... Uh, let me just check. I I just put myself on for it. Okay, cool. Um, my computer. And then go to the Dropbox and see how long it is. Public folder. And it's called... The Sky is Falling. Hmm. Properties. It is three hours, 12 minutes, 13 okay. minutes. Yeah. So very, very short. And then there's a, uh, in the same MAGA book, uh, which was produced by Galaxy, um, there is also another uh, book. So if that one uh, is decent enough or bad enough or interesting enough, um, I was thinking do the other one and maybe um, release it as a, a double. <laughs> like a ace double style. Like wow, that's different. Yeah, I think I think it's cool to uh, <laughs> read books Change in it the up, Jesse, Yeah, yeah, yeah that, We've done that before, actually. Yeah, but not often. I've no, not recently, before. but especially with short books. And um, so we'll see if that one's awesome. We can do a back to back, maybe. Then you're doing Robinson Crusoe, which I'm going to be here for. Or it's a long planet. It's uh, I think eleven be... hours or something like that. Because I'll be in uh, doing going to Gen Con for those two. And then we have on the 14th, Drug of Choice by Michael Crichton, where the three of us will reunite. Don't forget Lone Star Planet by H. Yeah, but I won't be here for it. Oh, well, um, I got uh, Carl Gay- K. Gallagher was interested in that. So and you got Mysa. It's a city. Pity I'll miss a Piper. But yeah, it's okay. funny. Have- I, I had Mysa subbing in for Will because Will said he couldn't make it, I think. And I said, Micey, you got to come in and sub for, you have a pinch hit. And she said, okay. <laughs> and um, it looks like he, uh, Will might pinch hit for Misa on Robinson Crusoe. So I think that's cute. Uh, and then um, somewhere on there, Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Way down in uh, September. Yep. And notice Connor's got a new uh, Robert E. Howard up. Yeah, I just put my name too. down for that one because I'm always uh, always usually up for some Howard yeah. discussion. Yeah, and I, mean, I, I don't think I've 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 read this one. There's it's a, name a and, uh, pirate pirate it's a, one story. One of the, the pirate stories, and yeah, yeah and it's like not a Howard series. It's great. Um, it uh, it does have an adaptation starring Valeria as in the main role, though, which is interesting. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much every every Howard historical has been adapted to. Yeah. Uh, Adapted as, as, as into a Conan or yeah, Red it's, Tonya but it's, or the good news story. is it's in Savage Sword, so it has nice art, and I've already yeah, Savage Sword looks up. nice. Yeah, <laughs> uh, some of it is just 
stupendously amazing. And some of it's, yeah, it's okay. But uh, because it's using a lot of Howard words, it's going to be pretty good is my thinking. It's, I think, 41-page adaptation, so it's not, not insubstantial. Mm-hmm. Probably the whole story bit by bit yeah. is my guess. So that's Things As They Are. And that's the book that's coming out uh, in two weeks is Things As They Are. Were you on that one, Paul? I was. I don't think I was. I think you actually. were. Caleb Williams? Oh, Caleb Williams. Were. Okay, I guess I just Things said the one are. name for it. Yes, I was on Caleb Williams, yes. Yeah, that was an interesting book. Very hard uh, to get into because it's so old. But um, once you got into it, it had some substantive oh. ideas. And, hey, uh, Cora, that episode's 19 hours long. Oh, that was a long wow. book. <laughs> yeah, and a long episode. A long so, episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got to go, guys. So, Thank you. Yeah. Um, bye, Paul. Have a nice I, day. You're going to the you're, you're going to your gaming group again. I'm going to my gaming group. Yes. I am in GM mode, and I'm and they're on the planet Chai. So yeah. Oh so, yeah. So, then so this is a very fun DMing. <laughs> yep, it's a very very DMing fancy index. Mm-hmm. So. So, have uh, you tried that new app on? Yeah. On uh, on uh, on on uh, yeah. What, it's, did you um, like it? It's different. Oh, maybe we'll try it later if you have time. Uh yeah, it's uh, very possible because I've I've done most of my uploading for everything, but a uh, little bit a right. little bit more to go. Yep. Um, you. Did you do your update because it's a big one? Oh yeah, I gotta do my update. Thank you for reminding me. But- yeah, you're welcome. Uh, I will see you, Jesse. On the flip side, I'll see you, Cora, soon. Take yeah, care. Yeah, we'll see. I'll see you around, and uh, we'll probably meet here for drug of choice. By the way, yeah. I also got another of the, um, the Michael Crichton John Lang books. Uh, Which ones? Books. Uh, the, the one with the, the, the one with the. <laughs> You're grabbing it because uh, I can't easy hear you. Go. So, yes. What's it called? Easy go. Oh, easy go. Yeah. Easy go. Yeah. Um, I think that might be his first. Easy go. Mm, yeah, it's, it's possible that it's the first John one. Lang. But all right, take care, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, uh, bye, Paul. Have third. Bye. It's just bye, Paul. It's his third published. The original Wikipedia cover um, has a lady and a man kissing, um, and they're both holding pistols while they're kissing. <laughs> yeah. um, that sounds kind of dangerous. Yeah, uh, I, I was also because I, I enjoyed the binary, so I got some. And I had drug of choice, so I said, like, okay. It's a yeah, slick book, right? If I can He's get a good writer. If they can get some more of those, and this was one that they, mm. that was available. Because I'd, some I'd of be willing to were... book that one now if you want to. Yeah, okay, sure. I, why let not? me just make sure there is an audiobook. I'm pretty sure there is. Um, there probably is, because it was. I um, believe it was all the Lang books. Yeah, let's see. They're not kissing on my cover. There's a man with the pistols who are shooting at some kind of Arab guys. Yeah. It's set and in Egypt. A rusty woman who's uh, found a skeleton. Yeah. Holding well, by the way, that cover, I bet, is a recycle. So what happened was um, the uh, uh, guy who started this company, um, mm-hmm. forgetting his name, but I had him on the podcast. Um, what the hell? It's called Hard Case Crime. Uh, Charles Ardai, I think is his name. Yeah, he does great work at any rate. Love hard. Uh, I love hard. He's a big fan of. Uh, he's a big fan of, you know, pulp, uh, or, yeah. uh, paperback, pulp paperback. Um, and he's so done great work bringing a lot of interesting books back into print or printing new, um, kind of pulpy books 
And also, uh, I love the cover art. <laughs> yes, he, he picked it's really good. The first good... time I bought a hard case crime book, I simply bought it because of the cover of art. Of course. Because the cover art was so, so great. <laughs> so what happened was, um, I believe he was an early investor in PayPal. And mm-hmm. he, when it got bought, he took his shares and did what he really wanted to do, which is be a publisher. Yeah, this sort of thing happens. It I know, does. I know, some, I know a couple of people who did this. Always, I think, great for them. <laughs> yeah, but the difference is, you know, like a lot of people, um, you know, they take that money and they buy a yacht. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it does I, nothing I mean, for I anybody. Think, uh, I don't want a yacht. I mean, um, I want, I want you to start a publishing company. Which built um, which built yachts for um, rich people. Yeah. Sometimes do translations for them, and yeah, let's just say that people who think James Bond movies are documentaries. Yes. And uh, and rich people are terrible. My favorite is the department store heiress, who wanted a separate sewage system so her exalted pee and poo would not mix with the low bomb pee and poo <laughs> of, the, of the crew. And oh. I I looked at the guy from the yacht company and said like. He does know what happens after whether whether poo, pee and poo goes afterwards, doesn't he? He's <laughs> got like, the money. Yeah, he does. Uh, they were uh, they're like okay. The, they don't have brains; they just have money. Got money, and we don't care. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think it's cool that. Uh, so here's his bio on Wikipedia: American entrepreneur, business person, writer of award-winning hard case crime fiction so he also self-published because he made his own publishing mm-hmm. company so as a spin-off of of hard case crime he started a uh a adventure book series um and the adventure book series didn't last i think more than six six books or so um and they're all uh start uh, they're called the first one's called hunt for adventure and it was like a series for adventure um and it was like a modern sort of uh, Indiana Jones-style adventure book mm-hmm. series. Um, <clears throat> I think he wrote the first one, and then uh, he like had other people write second and third and yeah. fourth, right? For um, some reason, those, those things don't sell as well as they used to. No, no one quite no. Knows, knows why, but they don't sell, as, sell that well. So one of them was called Hunt Through the Cradle of Fear, uh, you know, Hunt for Adventure. There's a bunch. Um, mm-hmm. I, I review, it's the Gabriel Hunt series. And so I'm going to send this cover to you. Copy link, uh, or copy image. And I believe what happened was he's recycled the same artist probably for a fifth book or sixth book. Oh, yeah, there it yeah, is. The style it's the looks same a art. Similar than the, no, the, it's, like the, it's the identical. It looks look at so this. It would have fit with this style. Look, no, look, look at the final book. It is the same cover. <laughs> same cover art. It's recycled. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bottom right-hand corner. You see it? Yeah. Yeah, that is. Exactly. The, this well is of the Eternity. Same, this is the same one. It's the same art. Right? Yeah. So, uh, oh, there's a whole web website still up called huntforadventure.com. Mm-hmm. Um, the cover art has changed um, and it's not as good as it used to be. But um, I think I think that it was a it was a fun experiment. It sadly didn't take off. Yeah. Uh, but I'm actually uh, happy that Hard Case Crime has lasted as long as it did. Because, and it has um, had to change publishers a couple are, of yeah, times. I mean, they're, 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 they're draw for people like me who likes them. But I've also 
said, uh, seen someone who said, like, I can't imagine walking, and it was a man. I can't, my girlfriend wouldn't let me walk around with this or read this book because of the, the sexist cover. I said, like, it's a woman in, in, uh, under, in, 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 in lacy underwear. Mm. Where, yeah, my, my girlfriend wouldn't want me to read it. It looks like porn. She's like, mm. I was, uh, I bit my tongue and didn't say, like, change your girlfriend because, <laughs> um, that's never really appreciated. <laughs> There's a great book in the series, um, A Hard Case Crime. Uh, it's called Money Shot. Um, it's by, uh, who is it by? Money Shot. It's by, uh, I used to follow her on Twitter. Uh, she sort of went into other things after writing. Um, damn it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's got Krista Faust. Krista Faust, yeah. So she used to be like a, a burlesque or some sort of weird sex worker in uh new york um a long time ago um and this is a uh it's about a lady who works in the porn industry um and she gets uh beaten up and then she goes on a revenge quest um Mm -hmm. and her boyfriend is like an mma guy um and they it's a it's a really good book and i think there's a follow-up which i didn't read Mm -hmm. um but uh like exactly what you would want from a hard case crime modern book right like sort of dealing with the modern society problems yeah. um mm-hmm. and and also i think it was sold first person um mm-hmm. and just fast paced uh it makes you want to read books you know like when you read a really good book mm-hmm. the hard case crime ones are they look they, they, they don't just look right they usually are good I yeah they're usually good books book. yeah Over, uh, i mean uh, Five Decembers uh, got a lot of, of uh, coverage and I think was even up for some crime fiction awards, which normally is not something hard case crime. Even the new ones are not normally up for awards, but Five Decembers is, I say, was up for for, for uh, some of the crime awards. Uh, here's which I haven't read yet, Five Decembers, but I remember it got a lot of posi- positive buzz. It's basically uh, on my list of things to, to eventually get. <laughs> I, I did a brief... Um page on on it years ago just keeping track of uh their audiobook releases that they're not really mm-hmm. from the company they just use the same cover you know yeah but um hard case uh, has uh, resources to do audio audiobooks and uh, their covers yeah. are just uh, they have some of the best covers I think in the business. I mean, no, they are the best. I can't think of anything that's close. No, no one does as as great. Especially they're also so unabashedly they the Harkis crime covers look like a pulp paperback. Yes. And uh, it always makes me think we had to do such great covers. We used to have this, and we, why do we no longer have this? Why does people don't want to pay a little bit a, more for a real artist? A photo of a, of a gun or a woman running and so, or something like yeah. that. Why? <laughs> Because they don't want to pay for because a real artist. If Hardcase can do it and pay for it, then then it would be viable for other companies. But they just They're don't, don't bother anymore. They're not in the business of caring about books. They're in the business of extracting value yeah, from that's this probably the problem author industry. Of, so the the yeah, real thing, right, is problem because most authors are willing to work for free if they can get published. Right? They don't care if they get paid. They just want to be a published author. And that is the problem. That's like yeah, but, you've got um, too I mean, many people want to be you authors. Give up doing these uh, uh, these things for free, or you only, or you do it maybe for uh, for a friend who's putting together an anthology or something. But you don't, uh, or but you at least expect something out of, out of it. Well, you don't want to be. Mean, you don't want to be. 
I say like, okay, do I, I'm not, uh, do I really want to bother submitting to this, uh, to this uh, publisher, which pays five, like five, uh, five dollars for a story. Sorry, that's too little, little, mm -hmm. even for a small press. Yeah. My, I, did I tell you about my student who, uh, he's, uh, we, I had him write a story. The, the guy for... who sold a story to, to, um, what, Kosova? Uh, yeah. yeah. How they pronounce themselves? Yeah. 500 words. Right, yeah, five hundred words. It was like seven bucks. But the, yeah, that's great. I, and for, <laughs> I mean, for, uh, that's it's great for for. Uh, but for you know how many hours the... we worked on it? It was not two, <laughs> right? Yeah, okay. And but, he's paying uh, me forty dollars an hour. Funny. He's published also now, and he got actually got paid for it. And he sold two stories and, to them. Indeed. And so Sova isn't isn't a high. I mean, most of the no, it's a high adventure, end. Adventure certain saucer leaning markets don't pay all that great. No, it's uh, best paying it's one of the from the magician skull, and they they don't pay SF uh, uh, SF double no yeah cipher. They don't pay cipher pro rate, and they're the biggest ones. But this, that was more than one cent a word, though, right? Yeah, it's uh, way more. It's, uh, one and a half cent a word. I think yeah, it's, it's a lot. Right? Yeah, that's a lot of money for. for it, if it was a novel, it would be a very substantial yeah, figure. It's a lot of money. I mean, uh, but not if for I the old days. Right for, for money, I would be trans. I would be doing uh, okay. Um, because um, this is kind of frustrating. If I'm translating, I'm getting like and it, uh, the legal uh, legal and business stuff. Something sometimes I get like fifteen cents per word. I've never gotten that much for fiction. The fiction is much better than the translation of some guys. Uh, Guys, payroll account. Mm. Which I absolutely, yeah, I'm having to do payroll accounts right now. Is anyone like like 12 months of payroll accounts for some kind of sailor? And the payroll account software is always it looks different. It's always mm. almost the the print is tiny. You can barely read it, and uh, and um, basically it's just copying numbers. No one, I don't <laughs> still don't know why anybody needs this stuff translated because it's just copying numbers. You're going numbers, from pennies uh, to pennies. <laughs> I don't think anybody really actually looks at it, uh, at it but yeah, <laughs> I get get paid a lot more than I would ever get than I ever get paid for for fiction. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's silly. That's how we are. We're, we're, yeah, we it get is. extracted it's, 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 into. Weird... Uh, the stuff is uh, basically it's also because um, the thing is um, you need a you need a court sworn translator for some official trans translations mm -hmm. which um, which are stamped and signed and so on and because i have this court approval and the stamp this is why i why i get to get paid to go. do this uh, to do this stuff even though and i know a lot of the time no one will ever read this or barely they will barely glance right. at it like okay we've got the they have to have it in a folder and submit it yeah it's it's in a fo it's basically doing stuff for folder it's basically mm -hmm. doing stuff for folders mm -hmm. <laughs> it's funny um i i tell my students when I'm asked to I'm asked to teach them essay writing and sometimes mm -hmm. it's like ridiculous like they're you know five years old or something <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, why should a five-year-old write an essay that's kind of silly uh, silly that's kind young. of I mean, uh, <laughs> oh my god they, they need to write sentences first in yeah, any they case need to, uh, they need to actually write something first you can't I think you can't even even get to writing I think we didn't at school we didn't get to to writing actually writing stories or something until we were like third grade and that was mm -hmm. usually okay it was yeah it was terrible it was usually just here's a story please retell the story and i would yeah. always get 
that great because I decided to improve upon the story. Yes. Like, this story was boring. I'm going to make it better. That's right. <laughs> so what I, I tell my students, um, not the little, little ones, but the ones who are in <laughs> high school and they want essay writing. Yeah. Um, yeah, as they, I say, <laughs> your teachers good. don't know what the word essay means. However, <laughs> that's where we're going to start. The word essay means try. And what you're going to do, try and do is try and solve a problem somewhere in the universe. You think, uh, for example, and then I wrote, well, while one student was writing one up, I wrote an essay about the Korean seven, the numeral, the, mm -hmm. like the French seven. It's different from the English or North American seven. Um, the Korean seven has a big hanging thing in front of it, but they only use it in writing. They don't use it, uh, in, keyboards or text messages right um mm -hmm. i'm like why does this thing exist <laughs> and the the reason i wrote the essay is because i found the answer and then i wrote the essay to show that that answer is correct right and that's where most people go wrong they're told to write like about school uniforms or whatever and this is i yeah, think yeah but also, also but they don't know the answer right they have no clue so no. they don't know, the essay sucks. And I think this is actually true of fiction writing too. You need to start with the answer and then make the story fit the answer so that it's best expressed. And when you don't do that, it's very surprising that the book can be any good. So I think like, uh, Donald Westlake, amazing writer, a lot of his okay. books are okay. mediocre. And the reason they're mediocre is not on a sentence-by-sentence -sentence level, but rather the idea that he's exploring isn't very interesting, or it isn't very um, uh, interesting to me. Like, he has a book about uh, about angels, and I'm like, that's weird. I'm not super into angels. And so he starts with a, uh, a guy who was, this book is called Humans, and it's about, mm -hmm. uh, it's a fantasy, it's a weird book. Uh, it's about, uh, a guy who was at the, uh, uh, what's the big, uh, explosion in Belarus? I think it was. Nuclear. Uh, Chernobyl? Chernobyl. Yeah, he was a fireman Chernobyl. at Chernobyl. It was actually Ukraine. It's Ukraine, uh, Ukraine but okay. close to the Belarusian, yeah, okay. modern day Ukraine, but close to the Belarusian right. border. And yeah, it case. was a lot more, more notable here because we actually got some, some fallout. Mm hmm. So he's one of the characters. And it's basically an exploration of this, uh, what angels think about what's going on on Earth. It's not a great book, but on a sentence-by-sentence -sentence level, on a character-by-character -character level, it's wonderful because it's Westlake. But when you read, like, Somebody Owes Me Money by Westlake, it's about... It sounds a like Westlake doing... Uh Doing um, uh, what is oh, what is uh, wings of I think wings of desire is the English title. Yeah, it does. Title, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, title. There's a Wim Wenders movie. I've that's, seen that's it. Yeah, it, it like. is similar to that. I keep forgetting the English Except title. Except that one's I very artsy, whereas he's not very. It's wings of desire. He's not very yeah, artsy. Westlake. It's kind of uh, the idea of, of of Westlake doing wings of desire is a weird. <laughs> it's a weird. He wrote a lot of books because he wrote whatever he he was interested in, whatever idea came to him. He would write it down right and that's how he wrote so much but the problem is not all of his books are equally good because not all of the ideas that came to him are equally interesting yeah not every idea is good no Some but, of them just are but not if you're good. writing for a living and you want to put out a book you know three books a year which is what he he would do right then you have to 
do that. But knowing which ones are are terrific is a little harder uh, than knowing he's a good writer. That might be the problem that we had here with this book. I'm not. I'm not sure. It, it feels like it's uh, more of a seat of your pants book than it should be. Probably, I suspect it feels seat of your pants. Yeah, because it, it, it the feels seat plotting of your is pants. Rough. And so it doesn't really, really. It's um, uh, it is uh, like a lot of uh, science fiction and fantasy attempts of science fiction mystery and fantasy mystery hybrids. A lot of these people aren't mystery writers, and it and sometimes it's it's showing because they they're not really yeah Westlake writers and they don't wasn't a mystery writer either. He's classified things. as a mystery writer, and he has stories that have like mysteries in them but it, yeah. the one I, I was thinking of an example somebody owes me money it's about a taxi driver who's trying mm-hmm. to get the money that somebody owes him <laughs> so yeah, yeah there's a murder involved and he gets implicated in it but the motivation is to get the cash and yeah but in germany that would count as a miss because um yeah um in um, english i always have problems classifying because the classification with mysteries simply doesn't work mm-hmm. in germany it's all crimi Krimi, so it's criminal, yeah. it's all yeah. crime novel. Yeah. Novel thriller is a subgenre of a crime novel. It's a subgenre and uh, mist and uh, mysteries, cozy mysteries, hardball mysteries, mm-hmm. police procedurals, crime novels. It's all crimi. It's just mm-hmm. one thing, and we don't really differentiate it. And I had a hard time even getting the differentiate. Also, thriller means something different in German than it mm-hmm. does in English. It's English. funny because so, um, there's two magazines, uh, famous fantastic mysteries and fantastic adventures or fantastic novels. They're the same magazine eventually, and they wrote mm-hmm. the, they did the same job. But the mysteries and famous fantastic mysteries are like like the mysteries of of God's haircut, right? They're not. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not, not really. It's it's not it's not a mystery magazine for some reason. It is, but it's only in the old sense of mystery, while, mystery religion. But mystery was used for the sort of X Files type thing in yes. Germany. It's, it's sort of faded away, but it was called. There was a um, and there was a TV station which had something called Mystery Monday or a Mystery mm-hmm. Montag. Montag, and this was when they aired the X Files and all sorts of there were dozens of X Files knockoffs at the uh, in the heyday of the X Files. But this was what mystery was mm-hmm. was, and thriller was more something like Hitchcock. So what suspense is in English? So I had a real problem even getting along with the definitions because it's like nobody defines. Also the okay, I kind of got the hardball the cozy. The also divide or traditional divide. I'm getting this now, but uh, uh, someone asked for cozy mysteries in German. I said, like, I don't know. We don't really have those mysteries. Those mysteries. Sorry, we don't have this. Mm-hmm. We don't do this. Ours, ours were quite. Ours, the whole system is differently. For example, um, here, if you go to a um, specialist mystery um, or crime fiction bookshop, there are special bookshops. Bookshops. There's one in um, Lea. It literally is divided, a lot of it is divided into regional areas. Like, this is British, this is Scandinavian, and then there's all sorts of different Germany. Like, this is from the from this part of Germany. And ah. the fun thing is because they actually are in East Frisia, it's like, okay, we have the East Frisian mysteries divided into East Frisia um, continent and East Frisia islands. <laughs> it's okay. like, okay, this is like, kind of ridiculous, but this is, but, um, a lot of these were, but they were dividing a lot of these mysteries literally by, um, by region, region, a lot more than by tone, by, by tones. I, they do have a cozy, cozy mystery section, mm-hmm. actually. It's one of the few places which has one, one, and it's mostly translated, uh, American and British stuff. Yeah, they're not my favorite, uh, 
Oh. Oh, also, uh, I don't really get those, those cupcakes, those modern cupcake baking cozies at that's, all. It's that's like red bizarre. It's like, okay, this was kind of fun, but uh, why are there, are there umpteen dozen <laughs> Because they need to be comfort. Like it's comforting. Oh, they're both comforting. <laughs> yeah, they're comforting. It was like, it's okay. So it was, but I mean, um, my mom is a mystery reader, but she doesn't read that sort of thing. thing. She actually, when I go, got her Donna Leon, she was like, this is boring. Boring. She likes uh, the harder one, so I get her. No one I, I got tricked by the, was the, the Lillian Jackson Brown, you know, the, that series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the one with the cat the mysteries. Cat. The cat solves the mystery. I'm like, yeah, this is terrible. Uh, actually, I was ruined by for cat mysteries. By um, There was an amazing, amazing uh, cat mystery by a German. He was in, in, I have to check his image, his background. I think he was Turkish or, or something. He was in. Uh, let me check him. I, I, I got a pee. Let's go. Third case. He had a wonderful. Yeah, he's tur- he's Turkish German. Archiv Pirinci, and he wrote an amazing cat mystery, which was quite different from all the cozy ones. <laughs> and it ruined me for all the cozy ones afterwards because this was the first cat mystery I read. It was called Philly Day. It's no longer available because um, the guy went. Uh, the guy um, went off the rails to rails towards the far right, which is ridiculous because he is I mean, he's Turk. He's a Turkish immigrant. Or the, the kid, he was actually born in Turkey and came to Germany as a child. Hmm. He's a, of course he has citizenship now and everything, so he is German. But uh, but uh, the far right normally doesn't accept immigrants. But for some reason, but he really went far off the rails, and this is why his books are no longer available. Hmm. But damn, that was an amazing cat mystery. So the best one I ever read. And none of the other Rita Mae Brown or Lillian, what was Lillian Jackson Lillian Brown. Brown. None of the others really, really com- ever compared. I gotta run. I gotta pee, and um, I gotta yeah, go. Yeah, I understand. I have to. Thank I you. want to eat dinner because it's. Oh yeah, it's getting now. late. Yeah, it's uh, twenty to eight here, so I have to get. Have to make dinner, and then I have to. Oh, write another letter to this bloody healthcare company. Oh, yeah. I hate it. Yeah. Oh, well. Thank you. Have a good okay, one. Okay, it was lovely talking to you, and yeah, I'll see you for the, for the drug of choice. In yeah, the and then we, uh, we, we should probably, right before I pee here, uh, we should book that uh, Easy Go. We didn't do yeah, that. Easy we go. talked about it, but we didn't actually do it. Yeah. So, okay. next date is in September, and that would be the 25th. Does that work for you? That should work for me. I, the only ones Nine. in September I have, uh, I have two blocked off. One is the uh, Worldcon weekend, which doesn't work for me, and the other is, uh, and the other is when I have my 30 year high school reunion, <laughs> which also easy go by Michael Crichton. Yeah, Crichton. All right, Jesse and Cora. There it is. Yeah. All right. Thank you. I'll see yeah, you online. Talk to you, Jesse, and yeah, I'll see you around. Sounds good. Bye. Bye. Um, yeah, I'm okay. Um, I heard you uh, suffering some ill effects from the from the vaccine. Yes, yes. Uh, as usual, yes, I was. As yeah. usual, is this the? Well, is this happened every? Well, it, you're supposed to have side effects. I've had side effects, moderate side effects for the past. Well, previous three ones, so it's not really unexpected at this stage. Oh, so it's not worse. No, it's just, but not worse, but it's not, but in general, it's not good. So, all right. Um, Cora says she's going to joining us, but um, 
uh, Connor says he's going to be too busy. He started late as well. So. How dare he? No. I'm not saying how dare he. I'm telling you. That, you said how dare he. <laughs> sure you are. Sure you are, Jesse. Yeah, sure. Be that way. <laughs> and he'll say, oh, what? <laughs> I'll say, well, you see. <laughs> oh, so stupid. All right. Um, my computer is also... It did an auto-reboot, even though it said, you know, set your time. It's like, I don't want to set my time yet for my reboot. I just did it anyways. And it also said, um, hey, you should uh, update your Skype. And I'm like, I don't want to update my Skype. So it updated my Skype. <laughs> it's it, like it gives well, you the illusion of choice by saying, click here to uh, approve. I was like, I don't want to click there to approve. It doesn't doesn't matter. Just automatically does it anyways. You got to do what you got to do. You can do what you want to do. Well, no, the computer gets to do what it wants to do. Well, yes, I'm I'm lying. Yeah, there's some um, background noise, but it's not ruinous. It's is it an air conditioner? No, it's my computer. I want my air conditioner on. All right. I don't. Of course, I'm in it. I may have to use my air conditioner this coming week because it's going to get close to uh, 100 Fahrenheit. So, yeah. Yeah, I've got mine all ready to go, but I have not used it yet. People changing their uh, Twitter handles makes it difficult. You change your Twitter logo occasionally. Yeah, but I don't change my handle. But when people change both, and I'm like, I don't know who, who you are, are you in the again? first place. Oh, I mean, it's hard enough when they're not using, you know. Uh, I think um, Trish has been stuck on Petrifid for a long, long time. So uh, it's okay. I got used to it, but if she ever changes it, I'm gonna yeah, it's still Petrifid. If she that's ever kind of like it. her, that's kind of her uh, nom de plume online now. So yeah, but people change their thingy, and then maybe oh, dude, it's so hard. There's too many. Ah. <sighs> So, um, I, I told you I had some tiger ice cream. No, you did not. I had some tiger ice cream, Paul. What is, this, what is, uh... It's a Canadian-exclusive kind of ice cream that's uh, orange uh, licorice. So, it's orange with, like, swirls of licorice in it. Tiger or tire tail. I haven't, I haven't had it in the 20th century. Probably haven't had it since I was a little kid. But... It, and somehow came up talking about uh, oranges. And uh, so I bought some. And oh my god, it was so fucking sweet, I couldn't believe it. Like, it was too sweet. Too sweet, too sweet to eat. It was. It, I norm, like I didn't, don't normally buy ice cream. 
not for you know years usually just a birthday thing or something and I don't like most you know rando ice cream so I was like wow this this shit is so fucking sweet how could anybody stand it but as a kid you know you can just like put it away crazy yeah yeah our uh taste buds change over time I, I I don't think it's the taste buds because the taste is fine. It's well, the sweetness. I, 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 yeah, tolerance is maybe. Yeah. I mean, kids love sweet, right? Kids do. I'm gonna. Well, we wait for um, Cora. I'm just gonna get into. Finally, one of my hard drives decided to. It was okay for me to go in there. Uh Was this? Uh, what was this? What? Hold on. It's amazing. September '64. Amazing. Let's see if I have it. Amazing. September. Hmm. It's amazing. It's astounding. 64. Time is fleeting. Seven. Oh, looks like I don't have it. I'll type it in. Hi, everybody. Paul, oh, there she Jesse. is. Hello, Cora. Yeah, hi. And um, happy belated birthday, Jesse. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, it's a big five zero. Oh, uh, yeah. I believe that <laughs> next deserves... year. It's next year for me. Next year for me. Oh, congratulations! <laughs> I believe that means we get to go to Hawaii now. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to go to Hawaii. So we're, what? We're... I assumed the plane tickets were in the mail. Um, didn't I didn't get any plane tickets? Damn it! Hawaii. Sorry, sorry to uh, disappoint the both of you. But plane tickets. Traveling to Hawaii is probably like uh, it's probably twenty four hours or more trip for me. Oh yeah, it's a long on the other side of the world. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, halfway around. Or yeah. All the way around? No, not all the way around. Halfway uh, around uh, and down. All the way around would be would mean mean back. I, I what, would um, what? I could probably go go by was both. I could either go um, eastwards or westwards. What the longitude are? What latitude are you at? Um, we are at four. We are fairly high up. Forty some forty. 48, 49, I really? think. Pretty, pretty far. Yeah, we're pretty that's, far That's up, not that uh, far. Up. Most people don't realize how far up northern Europe is. Um, yeah, they, they, they <laughs> think it's equal to the United States, and it's yeah. not. It's the, further you, north. The U.S. is a lot, uh, lot uh, further south. Uh, okay, let's see what, what one we are. I think we're 48 or something. Oh, God, we're even further up. We are, we are 53, actually. Yeah. 53? Wow. Yeah, yeah, we're 53. I always thought we were 40-something. We're for, uh, I'm at it's 49. Been, it's been ages since I've actually seen the seen the list. Right. Yeah, well, we I know that we are at about the same latitude as the as the southern Hudson Bay, which is pretty way far up. Mm-hmm. But Europe is uh, mild. The climate is milder because um, of the Gulf Stream. Yep, the Gulf, the Gulf Stream, which may be slowing down or breaking up. So maybe we'll get a. Uh, We'll get this. What was the was movie? One of the Emmerich ones. Uh, Day After Tomorrow. Day After it's a, Tomorrow, yes. A, a <laughs> documentary, <laughs> no doubt. 118. Alright. Alright. Oh, here we go. Silly movie. Um, I'm ready here. Y'all ready? 
Oh, let me get yeah. a recording started. Connor's not mm-hmm. joining us. He couldn't get uh, finished in time. And, um, but and he was is listening. he already in Kassel or still yes, in I believe, Australia? No, he's in Germany. I believe he's in Kassel. Oh, he's in Kassel. Kassel. <laughs> well, Kassel. Okay. Yeah. I hope he enjoys Ka- he enjoys Kassel then. It's um, that's about two hours uh, south of me. I would assume he is, although I hear uh, uh, there was somebody tweeting uh, uh, the solution to uh, Germany's um, lack of energy for the winter. Somebody's answer was, get a blanket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'll work. I'm not actually affected because... Um, because I have um, oil, I have an oil furnace, but they aggressively push you push you towards gas, and mm. now suddenly like, oh, sorry, we don't have any gas because right. we managed to because um, our main gas supplier is unfortunately um, unfortunately a Nazi dictator a dictator with whom we got in a fight. <laughs> Are you talking about Putin? With this kind of yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, I'm ready when you are. I'm ready. Yeah, yeah we ready. go. Um, oh, wait. I'm not quite ready. There we go. Okay. Uh, so, Jesse, Paul, Cora. Here yes. we go. Simple.